Scope, a podcast designing and analyze the games that we love and headlines of music and those who can't forget. I'm Rose Wonder Burns, I'm my kind of first save my worst. How's it going, man? Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. We like Kansas City Super Bowl. Public, public statement from Savon's Corner. Public statement. No, it's not a public <laughs> This is, and I'm going to stop this right here and go right here. Wellington, you was with the 49ers once again the whole entire season, and you went against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Wellington's Y Zone has three big narratives that were right. These are the three big narratives. I said there the Chiefs were going to go back in the AFC Championship. They did. Oh so the goodness. Eagles weren't as good as they were last year. That's true. I said the 49ers were going to make the Super Bowl, not win it. So three for three. Eagles was as good as we were last year. Wellington's no, it was, was not. <laughs> How do you go with the 49ers the entire season? I said they like, were going to oh make goodness, the Super Bowl. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> It's not going. wise at all. You jump <laughs> ship. That's what it was. Cue you the wise on music. Cue the wise on music. <laughs> you unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> We're joined by a special guest for this one, uh, Micaiah Albert, big-time Kansas City Chiefs fan, president of the fan club. It's another year for him, another win. Thanks for being on, man. Absolutely. Happy to be on talking uh, post-Super Bowl. Now that I can breathe easy, and now that the uh, the W is in the books, yeah, just uh, turn it into a, another typical year for the Chiefs. <laughs> but just yeah. admit, you doubted, were, doubted the whole get, year, didn't admit, look good, and yet we got just another admit, Super Bowl victory. But just admit, you were a little nervous. You were uh, slightly nervous. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm. How can you be a fan of sports and not be nervous? Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I wasn't as nervous as I was last year, but definitely. Well, we have a still lot of got the nerves because it's a big game. For sure. Well, we have a lot of topics to get into for this one. Obviously, a recap of the Super Bowl, some NBA topics as well. Um, we started with Kansas City winning 25-22. Mahomes threw for you know a three-yard touchdown pass to McCall Hardman in OT. And the game you know really turned when, when Ray McLeod had the, um, the muff punt. But looking back at this game, there were so many times where it felt as though the 49ers, they were in control. They had the 10-point lead. Um, and the second-half mistakes – I mean, there was, there was a first-half mistake with Christian McCaffrey having the fumble. But the second half of mistakes were kind of like a reoccurring theme. And then that's when Kensey was really able to turn it around. So you, Makai, like, what did you think about this game? And do you feel as though it was more of you know, the 49ers' mistakes or what the Chiefs were able to do in the second half? Um, I would say uh, definitely the 49ers kind of had the Chiefs' number for a large majority of this game. Um, I'm willing to admit that. Definitely for sure the 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 first entire half that the offense at least let me let me let me couch it the offense they had the offenses number most the majority of the game um and the offense was just really struggling to get going um because i think this is the best that the 49ers defense has played possibly all year and definitely all playoffs because if the 49ers defense that played against savant's packers or against the uh, Lions had showed up, then I think the Chiefs would have absolutely dog-walked them if that defense had showed up because Mahomes could have gotten whatever he wanted um, and basically just marched on the field. But the 49ers definitely came to play on defense. Uh, and I think that uh, as a fan, I was definitely concerned when, you know, you come out a half and you've you've started to gain a little bit of momentum. I know that it wasn't 
the greatest amount of momentum. I think it was 10-3, but then you throw an interception, then that's not the way you really want to start uh, the second half. But I would say overall, if um, if you ask me if it was a, a 49ers mistakes or the Chiefs' ability, then I'm I'm gonna go with the Chiefs just because the the most of the 49ers' mistakes I get the I get the muff punt, but you can't really blame a a fall apart like to that extent on any just one play. I feel like I, I know that was definitely a momentum shifter. It felt like, but it was the Chiefs' defense consistently being able to stop most of what. Shanahan and the 49ers offense threw at them. And that really has been the story for the Chiefs this year is that the defense has really um, stepped up and really been able to be kind of the ones that have, I won't say carried, but definitely have been just the ones to step up in the big moment so that then Patrick Mahomes can do what Patrick Mahomes does best. And that's um, step up in the big moments. And so um, I think that was crucial for them and that they were able to, have the moments where they were able to come out big, obviously when they, at the end of regulation, when they're able to go down, get it tied up. Uh, and then the reason I think that the defense is really important uh, and was big is because of that uh, third down stop when it's third and six. Um, and uh, they're able to scheme up a play where they have a free blitzer basically coming off the edge. Uh, right. Well, actually wraps around comes and then comes up the middle. Uh, and so I just think that that's a, fantastic defensive call from Spagnolo. And so I think Spagnolo basically um really really did his job and and made it a complete team effort uh and made it possible to where uh they were able to really succeed and um set themselves up for success. And then you can talk about, you know, the the overtime and I know there was all the talk about uh Shanahan and not uh not going on defense first, you know, the whole college overtime comparison of you always go defense first for whatever reason, they thought that that's what they needed to do. Um, as a Chiefs fan, like I, I don't, I don't doubt that the chiefs would have gone for two if they had basically, if they'd had it first, but you do, you do have the, the, I don't think it was a big factor. I don't really think it was big of a factor as everyone thought it was going to be because you still, because they only settled for three. So, I mean, sure, if they know that they need to go for a touchdown, that changes a little bit. But I think at that point, by the time that that had gotten to that point of the game, that the the Chiefs defense had really kind of honed in on what the 49ers offense was doing and I think kind of really had their numbers. So, um, I'm I'm going to give it to the Chiefs and just more so the the defense uh, the offense being able to overcome when it needed to but the defense really just having the 49ers number for the majority of the night and being able to step up in the big moments when it mattered most. <clears throat> um to, to you Savon, what did you kind of think about this game overall because that 49ers defense was just phenomenal in the first half. It's it's the most yeah. rattled I had seen Mahomes in a while, I mean, in a couple of years, honestly, ever since like that second half against the Bengals in the AFC Championship, he had never looked like that rattled um, to, to a certain degree. But, mm-hmm. um, to you, how did you kind of think about how this game played out and you know, what were some of the key factors? I love the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line, how they can just disguise holds so well. They held from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And it was blatant, too. But that's neither here or there. I'm just going to put that out there. And they were still getting home to Patrick Mahomes. So the biggest takeaway I got from this game, Spagnolia is the guy is a risk taker. High risk, high reward, loves blitzes. But what I love about him, he finds different ways to disguise blitzes. 
that third that third down blitz I think it was heading it it was bro to have it could be one on one on the outside and have four people still blitz and get to the quarterback cornerback comes at the end and get to the quarterback bro that's that's something you draw up that's something you you just not a regular minded defensive coordinator can do Spagnolia is one of the best defensive coordinators ever but <sighs> There's three guys on the 49ers team that look human. And shout out to McDuffie. The guy is so under the radar that I didn't know who he was until he was made Debo Samuel look human. He made George Kittle look human. He made Trent Williams miss whiff twice. McDuffie is gonna be McDuffie's gonna be a good good cornerback. Good and he can he's nickel, he can do different packages, he could go with the one, he could go with the XY. McDuffie is the highlight of that Super Bowl. What he was able to do, man, it was amazing. I'm like McDuffie, and he's black with a name like McDuffie. <laughs> and George Kittle said it was like, bro, I love your name. <laughs> I love your name. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I got it. But no, man, and it's to, to, to go back to the full ensemble of the game, I thought it was, it came down to the wire, obviously. I think the overtime rules didn't play a huge factor. I think going in, even if they didn't know the rules, going in, they thought, okay, right before the half, they stopped them. They had to kick a field goal to take it to the overtime, blah, blah, blah. Defense has momentum, whatever. I thought even if the 49ers didn't score, they had an opportunity to stop Patrick Mahomes, but it got to a point where it wasn't even the OC. It was just Patrick Mahomes, man. He's just such a great talent, a huge great talent who can extend plays better than any quarterback. And again, nobody knew how great he was going to be to be able to do this. And we we had a conversation about the Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes debate. I don't want to get to that point yet. And I said this in the podcast, but he's the only one. And I said this too. He's the only one who could come close. Who's even remotely close can be in that conversation with Tom Brady this early on in his career. And that's why they win. And then this year he solidified him being one of the greatest quarterbacks ever because that wide receiver core, what he did with his wide receiver core this year. I don't think any other quarterback could did that. Needs to be studied. That's the difference between an elite quarterback and a game manager. He played. So Purdy saying. played well. I don't know. I don't know why you're still doing this. Purdy played well. He didn't play bad. He, well. he didn't play bad, but it's still unanswered questions. I still have unanswered questions about Brock Purdy. George Kittle. I do had a extremely, extremely bad performance. Extremely okay, bad. can I can I butt in on that real quick? George George Kittle is a horrible playoff performer like like i, I hate Wasn't saying that him. dig up dig up i'm not and i'm not blaming him but i'm just saying we're acting like he he was a no-show go and look at his playoff numbers and they're bad they're every single game they're really bad like he he disappears in playoff game and i'm not meaning to blame him by himself but he is a bad playoff player like i i don't put that on purdy that's not that's a i th- again you're not gonna like this savant that's a shanahan thing shanahan yeah, doesn't know how to for use sure. for Kittle. sure in when it comes to the playoff, he he loves his. I'll give you that. This is this is where it kills me. Like with with Shanahan, and I know everyone loves him. Shanahan is too run centric. He does not know how to get creative in the passing game because he's bases everything I off of the run. Everything's based that. off of the run and based off of motion and based off of uh, 
fake handoffs and play action. And when that when That's you have that happen, the Chief does. That's what they do. Yeah, but Reed does it better. That's what I'm saying is because no, Andy no, is more no, versatile. No, yeah, he is. He's more versatile. Oh than Shanahan. When no, she, if you look at Shanahan's not. game, if you can shut off the run, the which same, the Chiefs over the course of the game offense. started doing, they started shutting off the run and they were not able to do it. That's when the 49ers started stalling. If you can stop the run in the Shanahan system, he's in big trouble because he does not go off script and he does not they adjust were still well. Moving when his the ball. Is they were still with. getting in the red zone. The running game, if you go against the running game like we saw against Baltimore Ravens when they did against the Kansas City Chiefs, you get off your game plan, you lose. Cal Shanahan stays. Who's able to make them knock off their game plan? They're not off their game, but he kept running. Cal Shanahan kept running, which you And that's why they lost because he didn't change. He didn't adapt. He didn't adapt, (laughs) Savon. No, that's not why they lost. They went in overtime with you guys. Why because they lost? Because the Chiefs spotted them 10 points. The they Chiefs spotted, spotted them 10, 10 points. points. Did Another you not see that first drive? Did you not see that first drive or any other drive where they were moving the ball willingly? <laughs> and McCaffrey fumbled? And, and, and then that's, they oh, that's didn't do anything with it. They didn't do anything cool. with it. But you act like you guys were just, I mean, McCaffrey had, what, 80 yards rushing? 80 yards rushing against a good okay. Kansas City Chiefs defense. Okay. And they were still moving the ball, running it. If they would have just went to that's, passing, that's a testament. That's a testament to how good he is, though. Not not the not the game because the that's the all. That's was, the game plan was similar, right? With Andy Reid, the only thing what was working with the Kansas City Chiefs that they were getting one on one action, and y'all exploited a a young linebacker who his first time being in the game in the big big game. Uh, Greenlaw went now. And that was one of the deciding factors. That middle of the field was wide open. The running game started working when he got hurt. So did Fred Warner just disappear then? Fred, do you watch football, right? Yes. Do you do you know if the scrape over top, if the linebacker comes and fills the hole, the other linebacker had to scrape over top and fill that hole. He wasn't doing that. And then you still have one-on-one action. Tight ends was working in the middle of the field. The, 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 the uh, cover two was... Middle of the field with that linebacker, that it changes the whole scope of the defense when you have an inexperienced linebacker. Not saying that was the sole reason why they lost, but if you look at that number, I forgot the number, but when they when he got it again, it went down for the 49er defense. It's similar. This you guys are running a ball just like kids. Y'all didn't like I mean, have Chicago a great finish with 59 yards. So I don't know why we're saying it suddenly started working like, well, I don't call really 59 yards working because he was getting like six, seven yards of pop in the second half. And well, it was that's up the playbook. And then now you keep the defense honest. Now we could go over top. We can, we could do the tight ends done with Travis Kelsey. Like this is the game plan of OC. We're not going to stop running. We're not down by 50 points to start throwing the ball. You don't go away from what got you here, which is the running game. And then we can still do. But the difference between the 49ers and Kansas City offense, the wide receivers for, four, for Kansas City was winning. Debo wasn't winning his routes. Uh, Ayuk was winning, but they weren't giving him the ball. Brock Purdy wasn't giving him the ball. The, your wide receivers were winning, which is cool. Don't say the OC or whatever had a game. Uh, uh, he wasn't imaginable. He scored on a double Wisconsin play to a, a guy who played quarterback in high school. They had an illegal man downfield on, if we're talking about penalties. He was a part of the 28-3 to blown lead. 
was a part of another 10 point blown lead in 2020 Super Bowl. Then this one, bro, that narrative doesn't matter. It doesn't matter right now. Oh my goodness, how does it not matter? That 283 doesn't matter. You said you acting like Andy Reid's game plan was Egon's different than Kyle Shanahan's. I feel Kyle Shanahan still coach and play and play call a great football game, and his team got to the tail end. Overtime with one of the best quarterbacks in NFL since what since seven years, six years? Mm-hmm. Went toe to toe with that. Just like he did in 2020. And they still lost. <laughs> like it's the same thing. And he it's still lost. It, it comes to a full team thing. That's what I'm saying. You act like it was it was Kyle Shanahan's fault, is what I'm saying. It's not Kyle Shanahan's fault. The wide receivers weren't winning. We, we the play call was Kyle there. Shanahan they were not winning. He's too smart for his own good. Sometimes Shanahan is too Come on, get out of here. Y'all give Andy Reid the praise. It's it's Patrick Mahomes who's doing this. It's not Andy Reid. Andy Reid. So why do you why, so why are you not, we're not, we're not just so why, Andy Reid is not a great coach. So Cal Shanahan is not a great coach? He's not he a good coach. The job so what's your argument? What's your argument then, fellas? What are we talking about here? That like, Andy Reid is yeah. better than Shanahan. Absolutely not. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Three rings exactly. To prove Three it. rings to prove it. What are you talking about? <laughs> did he win? Did he win with Philadelphia Eagles? No. He didn't win until he got Patrick Mahomes, who was a godsend. Then he had a wide receiver who was better than everybody on the football field. And he went to where the okay. Miami Dolphins. Here's, here's where I'm gonna here's where I'm gonna I'll push back. Has Andy Reid never it has Andy Reid never looked good with the quarterbacks that he's had? It wasn't his play caller. Did he win with Alex Smith? No, but were they good? I, they were decent. Were they, they were, were they good? They're beyond decent. They were consistently in the playoffs and they were winning yes. the AFC West. Okay, so with that level of quarterback, has when Shanahan had the um, I can't even remember their names because they're so forgettable. Were they winning? Were they doing anything? Where wh- who's with who? Um, I I would have to bring up their names. The, the basically when he's on First like time he was OC was with the uh, uh, Washington Redskins with Robert Griffin the third, and they 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 went they won seven eight straight, went to the playoffs, lost to the Super Bowl champs right there Seahawks, and that's when Robert Griffin couldn't go anymore. Okay, that was the first year. Second year, he he, he was the same thing. Was in the battle with Robert Griffin and Kirk Cousins, and I think they won what nine games, eight eight or nine games that year. Terrible defense. And then the next, so two different situations, first and foremost. Andy Reid didn't, didn't get over the top until he got Patrick Mahomes. Let's, let's, okay, y'all tripping right now. Y'all really tripping. Y'all really, really tripping. Like Andy Reid was that, like, Donovan McNabb didn't carry Andy Reid. Like, Patrick Mahomes didn't carry Andy Reid. Like, uh, B. wasn't the play caller for those championships. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about? Like Andy Reid is just this huge, great coach. First Bro, of all, as a Chiefs fan, you're, you're on something if you think that it was Bianami's offense. Bianami was running Reid's offense. It wasn't Bianami's offense. That's a strip. That's, a strip. That's, that's crazy to even say. That. Implement a lot of plays in that offense. Okay, so and Shanahan doesn't have anybody feeding him plays. No, that's all. Oh, that's so wild, Savon. That's crazy. I mean, from a guy who knows Cal Shanahan, yes, absolutely. From a guy who knows Andy Reid, yes. No, I'm talking about personally. Personally, I I know Kyle. 
So he doesn't he doesn't get plays from anyone. Bro, it's all him. Cal was my brother's OC for like three years. He put he it's all his play calling. That's all from his I, head. I don't believe that for a second, okay. and I don't care if he says it because you're 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 just riding your own high if you say that. I'm not that riding my own high. I'm not saying you. I'm saying if he said that, then he then he's he not being truthful. Obviously, you're gonna take not take but see other people's playbook. I'm like, okay, this is how I can do it because everybody looks at college playbooks and implements in the NFL. Okay, anywho, we're getting away from the point. Y'all giving Andy Reid too much praise. He didn't start winning uh, Super Bowls until Patrick Mahomes got there, and then he had to get Tyreek Hill, and then he had to have Travis Kelsey. Then he had to. Uh, it's a whole bunch of stuff that uh, accounted to Andy Reid, so called being he had Tyreek Hill before he got Patrick Mahomes, and he didn't win any Super Bowls. So don't throw Tyreek Hill in there like that was a changing. I will. I will. That's super stretching. They had Tyreek Hill when they had Alex Smith, and they weren't winning Super Bowls. And they also have only won one Super Bowl with Tyreek Hill. He didn't start winning until he got Patrick Mahomes. Okay. You you said my point was Patrick Mahomes is doing this, not Andy Reid. You said that the Chiefs receivers were winning and the 49ers receivers weren't. What's the reason for that? What's the reason for that? What do you mean? What's the reason for that? Why it's were the Chiefs the receivers winning? It's not the play it's calling. The play calling. It's oh absolutely God. the play calling. Because you cannot sit here with a straight face and say that the Chiefs oh receivers goodness. are better than the 49ers receivers. They got open because of... So, oh, you... Well, it's a, you believe that too? Oh, he's off. You can't sit here and say <laughs> that the play calling is what gets receivers open. No, it it's the It's receivers. absolutely a scheme. No, it's, it's the, the scheme. Receivers. No, no, it's not the scheme. It's not the scheme. Because the wide so, receivers have to so, win the so, world. Then that metric, you have to say then that MVS is better no. than Debo Samuel. No, and that you don't do that. Is worse than Rishi Rice. No, you say that the secondary for the Chiefs, specifically McDuffie, is better than the the DBs with the 49ers. The gap, but McDuffie that wide. The gap yes. is not that wide. Yes, it is. McDuffie was on the big time receivers when it mattered the most. Even when when George Kittle had a one on one play, he went. He should have went inside. He went outside. McDuffie was on him. And another one, he had a 10-yard route. McDuffie was on him. When Debo Samuel had a 10-yard in, and he ran his route for him, McDuffie was on him. So Bro, then you're telling me that you're was one... a difference maker. It's you're telling me that you're... The play calling was better, bro. It's not because the play calling it was absolutely better. absolutely is, and that's why they won, and that's why Shanahan petered out, is because Shanahan runs out of stuff <laughs> as the game goes on, and he has to get off script, and yeah. after he gets past his first 30 plays, he's not that good. Man. He's this not that good. That you think the play calling is what get wide receivers open. Yeah, it gets them in the gaps, in the coverage, but the wide receiver has still have to have the IQ to where the gaps are going to be in cover three, cover two, cover one, whatever. The wide receiver still has to get separation. The, the play caller doesn't get them separation, Makai. It doesn't get them separation. It's the wide receiver. It's not the play call. You calling. can call plays that don't require you getting separation because of where you find the you defensive are smoking gap. on donkey crack if you think the play calling gets wide receivers open. No. Absolutely not. So you're, you think, you're saying McAfee okay, okay, was the only person locking them up. That's one person. So what about the rest of the field? That's <laughs> one person. One person. So Travis Kelsey. Well, let's, let's talk about Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a mismatch in the middle field because the whole night, the 49ers running cover zone, right? 
And then they'll they'll start running cover zone. They'll do man and man and they'll blitz. In the middle of the field, a play call doesn't really have to do much when it's a un when it's a linebacker who's inexperienced, who's out of place in their running zone. And Travis Kelsey's one of the smartest tight ends in the league. He's gonna exploit that. We've seen that uh several times in the playoffs. He told Mahomes, if if they're doing this, I'm gonna go streak up and I'm gonna do a different route. It's not the play calling, it's the wide receiver, it's the tight end understanding what the defense is giving them. If I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run. This route, I'm gonna stop it here and I'm gonna shift here because it's open right here. That's not the play calling. That's the tight ad libbing. That's ad libbing. It's not that's the play calling. From it's the play the calling. In that instance, it is. But you're saying that what is that's what happened all night? Was him ad libbing? Was all night? They were getting separation, not because of the play call. It wasn't the play call. You'll it never was- convince me that MVS is so good that he got more separation on San MVS Francisco's had corners. One catch. Exactly. Exactly. He had one catch. You had like he had 15 catches. So it wasn't separation. Rasheed Rice wasn't separation. What separation? Nope. This okay. Absolutely not. Bro, this is the first time I ever say you don't know football. If you think if the OC (laughs) you think the OC the play calling with the play calling is what gets the wide receivers open. Solely what the gets wide receiver absolutely gets people open because it takes certain people out of certain positions and then puts other people into that position. You still have to run the route the the correct way. You still have to get Agreed. separation. That's doing your job. Okay. It's well, it's in. Come on back, bro, because this is a this is a dead end. Because go ahead and keep putting your faith in someone that has blown double digit leads five times in their career. Not no football. How have we not talked about Travis Kelsey in the end? No, I'm getting to that, but he's talking (laughs) out the yin yang. He's smoking dope. (laughs) To think that it's solely the play call and the scheming. I didn't say solely, but you're acting like it has nothing to do with it. It's not a high percentage. These wide receivers have to get separation. That's what so makes a call, good wide receiver. Why call, why call a play at all? Everybody just go out and backyard football it. Now, that's a terrible point, brother. That's a terrible point. Terrible point. Uh, and it's terrible because playing. you have nothing to, to say to it. Oh, bro, if, if, we're, if, we're, if I'm an OC and I know the strengths, well, I know what cover three, the, the weaknesses of cover three. I know the weaknesses of cover two. Okay, cool. But the defense can still do something if the wide receivers doesn't get open, if they don't get separation, if they don't run the routes correctly. The percent, the high percentage of what the wide receivers get for separation is what makes plays go, is what makes the scheme work. If I don't have the wide receivers to run my plays, I'm not going to be successful as an OC. That's so why I didn't say nothing to the that. Chiefs the Chiefs win then. Because they have bad receivers. How did the Chiefs win then? No, because the Chiefs defense that is tailored. No, it's because the Chiefs defense in Spagnolia was blitzing Brock Purdy in that offensive line. And he was rattled. Anything to do with the Chiefs offense. You said how did how did the Chiefs win then? Because the defense played really, really good. 25 points. Did the defense score that, or did the Chiefs' offense score that? Are you telling me the play calling got these wide receivers open in that Super Bowl? Majority of the time, because of how bad those wide receivers are, yes, it is. Andy? That Chiefs defense is elite all year. I agree. I agree with that, but we're talking about how they scored 25 points and how those dog receivers. How many touchdowns did they have? How many okay. touchdowns did they have? Nah, and okay, you said twenty five points. Those are field goals. Two. How many touchdowns on there? Okay, then. Two. Thank you so. How many did the 49ers have? Much. 
Probably less than that. They had a, a touchdown exactly. with uh, McCaffrey. They had a uh, running touchdown with McCaffrey. Yeah, so probably two touchdowns. It was, a good, it was a good football game. But to say that the play calling is why the wide receiver, they were winning because they were getting separation. And that the 49ers secondary is not as good that game as the Kansas City Chiefs, specifically, like I said again, McDuffie. Because every big play, every third down, Every play they went to, McDuffie was on that wide receiver and he shut them down. He they could not get separation. Great fucking play call. Could get separation. Could separate could get separation. Couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. <laughs> That's one person. That's one person on the defense. Who had bro, we see what one person on the defense can do. Do I should I name defensive cornerbacks? Darrell Reeves, Champ Bailey, Ty like, should I should I keep going with Yes, cornerbacks. Forty-nineers have other weapons, so why didn't they use them? Other weapons. McDuffie can only shut down one person at a time. He can't shut them all down at the same time. So why didn't they use their other role players? You know why? One, they had Brock Purdy at quarterback. Two, they were down the distance. They were third and fifteen, third and thirteen, third and twelve because it was getting blitzed and they were getting sacked. And there, it was a lot of stuff that took into variable and play calls that you don't have. You don't have a play call for third and fifteen. You don't have a play call for third and twenty. When you get behind the distance, this is this goes in, in knowing football. You don't have play calls for that. They were getting down the distance. Kansas City Chief defense played really well, specifically McDuffie and Kristen Jones. They'll play lights out. You don't have play calls for that. Well, Shanahan Nobody doesn't. does. Shanahan doesn't. You think any? Oh my goodness, Wellington, where yeah, are you, bro? Point, I've on. seen. Yes, it's clearly he doesn't know football. It's clearly this is the first time. Are the Chiefs first time I say you don't know football? Are the Chiefs going to repeat? Are they going to? Heck no. We, it's heck no. Well, you go on and win the championship, being the underdog because the last three games in the playoffs. Maybe a lesson learned for everybody else out there in the future. Yeah, just know that the Kansas City Chiefs are never underdogs. Just know that. (laughs) Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, Savon's Corner, hold up. You're fired up tonight. I I get it, I get it. But but when we look at the AFC, obviously you got Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. That team is going to get better. Cincinnati, I think they are, are going to be a lot better, and that's the one team I would say, hey, they could possibly, you know, push Kansas City. Baltimore is going to be back. Buffalo is also is still going to be a stout um, um, offensive team. Like when you look at the well, first of all, they they're going to do everything in their power to keep Chris Jones. I think because I think they've seen how it went this year, and then he's the heart and the soul. He wants to be a chief. The Chiefs want him to stay a chief. Um, So I just think that they're going to do everything possible. If you lose Chris Jones, and they're going to have to pivot back to trying and becoming an explosive offense. Um, and I just think that that's going to be pretty difficult to do. So I think it's one of those things where you'll reward the loyalty. He played on the one-year deal, and then he will um, – they'll, they'll pay him his money. They'll probably overpay him for what his age is, but it'll be worth it to him because of his production. Um, they, I don't know what it was, but I was just seeing today they had uh, basically where they voted on the top 10 defensive players in the NFL – I don't know whose list it was or who voted on it, but he wasn't even on there, which is just wild to me that Chris Jones is not on the top 10 defensive players in the NFL. I don't know if it was Pro Bowl voting for defensive player of the year, uh, if that's what I saw, or I'd have to look at it, but he was not on the top 10, which was just yeah, absolutely crazy. insane to me to not have Chris Jones on the top 10 defensive players of the of the year. I think it was Pro Bowl, uh, not Pro Bowl, excuse me. I think, it was, I think it was defensive player of the year. Well, exactly. I'm glad you said it because I'm, it's one of those things where Aaron Donald was for a 
long time, but like Aaron Donald's not what he used to be. And Chris Jones, I think has sustained it for a longer period of time. He had a knee injury. Agreed. It, it has definitely hindered him some, but I think it's, it's fair to say right now that Chris Jones is the best defensive tackle in the league. So um, they're going to do that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Harbaugh can do with Herbert. I mean, uh, if this podcast is any measurement, it won't matter if he has Har- if he has Harbaugh because it's more of a Herbert question than it is a, a coach question based on some of our past conversations. But we'll see if um, Harbaugh can and can set up Herbert for some success. I think he'll be able to put him in some better situations than what Staley was able to do. But ultimately, Herbert has to come through. Um Overall confidence, I mean, after this year, I have no reason to doubt them because this was when they were at their weakest. Um, this this easily their worst year, and they went and won the Super Bowl anyways with the, the terrible wide receivers. I think they're going to be better there next year because uh, Rice will have another year under his belt. They'll either draft or they'll pick up somebody that's cheap that will fit the system and that will be able to um, be a deep threat for Patrick Mahomes. I'd like to see them go get kind of a Gabe Davis, a Rashid Shahid. Um, someone who'll be probably on a, a pretty cheap journeyman deal, but who also can threaten and strength, uh, stretch the field a little bit and not just have to limit them to the short. So um, I just, I'm really confident with them this year because it's just after this year, it's just what is the reason to doubt that they can't three P I'm not saying that they necessarily will. Um, if, if gun to my head, I mean, I, I don't see why they wouldn't because they've been able to take the best shot, especially this year when they were at their worst, um, they had to go through the best three AFC teams and then the best NFC team, uh, at least by by our metrics. We can we can argue that, but one of the best NFC teams at the very least, if you want to argue whether it was the Lions would have been a little bit better of a matchup for the Chiefs or not. Um, so they went through the hardest competition they had to win the Super Bowl with the worst team, and they still won it and, and found a way to win with Patrick Mahomes. So I just don't see any reason to disbelieve in them being able to three-peat. Um, the question is just whether they'll do it. You threw out Cincinnati. Um, I got to see what Joe Burrow looks like after another year of being dinged up, coming back. I have I have confidence he probably can. But the other thing is they're going to either have to overpay for uh, T. Higgins or are going to have to let him go. And so their offense is going to look a little bit different than what they're used to um, because of their, their money is finally coming due and they've had to pay Joe Burrow. And so now they're going to have to deal with that. Um, until further notice, no disrespect. I'm not scared of the Bills. I'm not scared of the Ravens um, because, the, especially the Bills, the Chiefs just basically live rent-free in the Bills' head at this point. And it's one of those things where you're going to have to beat me to actually show me that you can actually do it. I'm not going to believe it until I see it kind of thing. And then just the Ravens just continued the narrative of not really being able to get it done in the playoffs. So um, it's one of those things where it'll definitely look different um, next year, but if you can't beat the Chiefs when they're at their lowest, then when are you going to beat them? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this was the year where we have mentioned it. Me and Savannah mentioned it time and time. They just put it on. They put it on cruise control. Just not being trustworthy throughout the season, um, and they they showed it when it mattered most. Obviously against the Bills, not so much in the second half against the Ravens, but they they didn't really have to. We we mentioned that Makai that you know in the second half pretty much Mahomes yeah cruise control pretty much yeah Mahomes was managing the game in the second half, but then in that Super Bowl 
there were just so many times where I, especially I think Mahomes, that fourth and one, that shotgun play, he was like, I'm, it'll be the only air enough to actually throw it to one of them, but I'm just going to take it myself because that's what he does. He's going to take it himself. He's going to make sure that he's got the game winning plays. Um, Not likely just given what the the NFL is. We've seen great teams, great organizations try to go three P did not happen. I mean, the, the latest one was, you know, Tom Brady, those guys, you know, the Patriots and them going every year, but not winning every single year. I just think the, the wide receiver core won't get better. I think you have to trade away MVS, his contract to even get some of these young guys to get in here. I think his contract needs to be traded, getting away to release uh, some cap space. Then also Nicole, I mean, uh, Nicole Hardeman is going to be out. He's uh, a, a unref- unrestricted free agent. I don't think they get him back, even though he's won the, the Super Bowl for them. Uh, Sky Moore, I'm not impressed with Sky Moore. How many years does Travis Kelsey have left? I mean, he's he's first ballot Hall of Famer for sure, but how many years does he have left to be on that top top end of a great uh, tight end? And obviously you got Patrick Mahomes. The only upside is, the two upsides, Isaiah and Patrick Mahomes. Isaiah is going to be a thousand yard running back next year. Just given his track and what he's he's done and got progressively better in the playoffs. And then what I love about the kid the most, the fumble, the, the mishaps in that Super Bowl game came back and started running and, and building that confidence back. That's why I think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver for sure. But it's going to be extremely difficult for this Kansas City Chiefs offense to redo that. Can Patrick Mahomes take this team again to the Super Bowl, not just to the Super Bowl, and win it? Then I think the defense, you're going to have to pay a a healthy price for Christian Jones for sure. And then McDuffie, you're going to have to pay McDuffie as well. You have to pay McDuffie. You're going to have to pay Sneed. Not this year. Not this year. Well, he's going to probably have to. They're going to probably have to. They can reconstruct his contract right now. I know he's still on his rookie contract. They might. yeah. But to be able to keep him because he'll be unrestricted free agent next year, they should pay him now and to get that over with. Got to sign McDuffie, Schneed. I think he's still a good, uh, good high end player that they probably gonna. I don't know his contract, but I think they're gonna have to pay him. I just he, don't think he hasn't had a first big year deal. I won't be at all surprised if they let him go. They don't I, need to let him go. They well, him the, go. the money will work out to where they might have to if they're gonna pay Chris that much. Well. That's going to be because uh, he's one of the veteran guys in the back there in that second. Yeah, but I think they're, they're going to turn it over to, to McDuffie. They're going to turn it over to Trent. And I, yeah. and I know that that's a good one, too. But the, other than McDuffie and Snead, they've been relying on a lot of guys that have been young and developing in the system and learning um, his system. So it's one of those things where it it seems like it's counterintuitive. But I mean, so did the trading Tyree kill away. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if to keep Chris um, and save money for spot positions elsewhere if they just let Snead go get his money. I mean, that that kind of worked out because you still got Travis Kelsey, <laughs> to be yeah. honest with you. If you don't have Travis Kelsey, you don't trade away Tyreek Hill. But I, I just don't think with the how many, many pieces. I know Spagnolia just got an extension. Heck of a defensive coordinator. But if you don't have the pieces to run those blitzes and run that high-risk, high-reward type of defense, you're not mm-hmm. going to get there. Chris Jones really just solidified – he showed me that he's just not a pass rusher. He's a, he's a stuffer as well. So I think, but just giving how the NFL is working, I think the only team, well, it's not the only team. I think there are several teams that can, can get in the way. And I think it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Even if Higgins do not get, get uh, re-signed back, there's a lot of wide receivers. Like on Dunse is another one I think they'll go after because he's a deep ball threat. He can run every route in the, in the route tree. He has a, a huge catch radius. He's one of those guys that has sneaky speed, sneaky Sneaky speed, and I think 
they can replace T Higgins, but I, I, and then I do think Baltimore will figure it out too, as well. I think need to fire the OC. Don't get away from what you're doing. He's threw, threw, threw the ball 83% of the time where you wanted the number one rushing attempt offenses and number one rush offenses in the NFL. You go against the grain, which is insane to me. But it's going to be extremely difficult. If they do it, they will do something that no other team has done in the NFL, but that's no small feat because we've seen great teams try to do this and come up short. Um, obviously, they make the playoffs – that's that's a no-brainer, but to make go to the Super Bowl and win it for a third time, that's that's it's hard to do. And Wellington is in limbo again, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, but going transitioning to the Kansas City parade and then the shooting, which is extremely crazy to be able to mess up a moment like this for the, the Super Bowl champs. Everybody's having fun, and then you hear gunshots. Like, were did you watch the parade or? Did you were you able to, to look in onto that and see the, the high moment? I wasn't able to because I I'm a teacher and so like I teach throughout the day and it was in in the middle of the day when they mm-hmm. held it uh, on a school day. Um. So, but it was like you said, like it, it should have been a high moment. And then you're just reading the reports, and then turns out you know you've got a shooting. Um. That's just really really rocks the city. A lot of injured people, especially a lot of, of kids that were involved yeah. in that. And so it's just really heartbreaking to see that such what should be a, the happiest place on earth, really, for for a city to have, right. you know, a Super Bowl win, really, and to really have to go through that. Um, and so it's just, it's sad to see um, violence of any kind, really, uh, at, at a moment like that when it really should be celebratory um, and it should be unifying um, and just to see um, bad actors bad decisions, whatever yeah. it may be, um, just take advantage or just decide to, you know, just insert themselves into that moment is just, it's, it's heartbreaking and it's sad to see, um, obviously sad for the, the loss of life. Uh, fortunately, I mean, I say that reservingly, but fortunately it was only one person, you know, with that many right. people around, if it was actually a mass shooting, you know, then it could have been much worse, but it, it seems like it was, um, very localized and it was limited to an argument that was being have, um, made and then either someone caught in the crossfire or the person that was involved. I'm still not hundred percent clear on the circumstances. So it's just one of those things where it's really tragic to have happen for anyone. It's regrettable. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to have seen the, the city come together <clears throat> to try and heal and move forward right. from it. Um, it's so there's that good thing, but it's just, it's, it's sad that the, the city coming together has to be over, such a, a down moment when it should have been really, you know, been able to continue riding that high and instead of having to deal with that. But it's been good to see the city come together in spite of it. Right. And I think there were two youths that did the shooting as well. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's sad to see the, her, I forgot her name. Her name escapes me, but her, her passing away <clears throat> and several other people being wounded. And then I was watching it. I think I was watching the beginning of it and I saw Isaiah dancing uh, Patrick Mahomes looks somebody in the eye, take his phone out, put it in the back pocket, hacks for the ball, just watch the ball. Just like it was, it was fun until that moment. And uh, normally I don't watch parades, but I was like, you know what, I'm gonna watch it to see what it's about. Um, but man, that's a, that's a terrible way to end. It wasn't even at the end; it was in the middle of it. And you get the shooting, and because I've been to parades where it's shot up before, and you have yeah. to run, and you don't want to get uh, caught in a crossfire, but. We're going to keep moving because Wellington is in limbo. Wellington is in a sunken place right now. <laughs> Wellington is in a sunken place. In the upside down. The upside down. 
Um, in the All-Star Weekend, disapp- I don't think it was a disappointment. A lot of people, Stephen A. Smith, a lot of these guys saying that it's 213 points or whatever. I thought it was entertaining. What did you think about the NBA All-Star Weekend from, from the dunk contest? The dunk contest was terrible. To the All-Star, <laughs> to, the, uh, to the Rising Stars, to the to All-Star they- Game. How does a little white boy midget end up one back to back, man? I just, I, I didn't watch it either, but I just saw McClung won it again. I'm like, how? How did he bred for this, man? Well, that's, I mean, this is a sad state of affairs for the dunk contest. Is it's basically yeah. professional dunkers instead of actual identifiable star right. athletes. That's what it's become. Is it's just like guys who don't play at all. It's like very Harlem Globetrotter esque right. in terms that's of point, just yeah. people that can do just crazy dunks and things. He's back. Good. Right. Um so, so okay. um I think I love the three point contest. So like I think that always yeah, follows yeah, that through, was... especially seeing Steph versus Sabrina. That yeah. was really cool getting to see her and him interact. Um obviously um personally my the way i'm uh, i'm cheering i was glad to see steph pull it out um because that would kind of be a little bit of bad look for the league but yeah, at for the sure. same time sabrina yeah. it, sabrina would have basically earned it because like and she is fantastic for for her side for her equivalent of the points and uh give her props for shooting from the guy's exactly. line now i think to make yeah. it fair she had to otherwise you have to let steph shoot from her line to, to make it equal exactly. yeah, so yeah. but still give her props for her being the one to actually go up to to the guy's line so i'll give her props but and still, yeah, and still, <laughs> and still, <laughs> oh man, oh, that's funny. Kenny Smith about that. Don't ask Kenny Smith about that. <laughs> 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 he was like, no. It was a- so she should have shot from the line. It, it, there's it, a it, women's it, tee in golf and there's a men's tee for a reason. No. She a shooter, shoot. Is that what you said? Yeah, but they shoot from where they shoot from. No. Thank you. No, no, no. Sabrina Good job, shoot. Sabrina. No, but don't let any man put boundaries on you like him. Uh, well, then give him a regular ball then. Don't let give him the any same man put boundaries on you. Give him a regular ball then. It's not fair. Curry I disagree. And it was impressive to see her score basically what was the winning score for the guys' three-point contest. So that was right, what was yeah. good. And it's just that just Steph is just a little bit better. Um, the game itself... I know it's cool to see that many points, but I just am so sick of no defensive effort. Like, I get why there isn't, but to me, you can have a little bit of defensive presence instead of basically people just basically anything you can do, I can do better kind of moment. You know, Damian Lillard pulling up at half court. Now, that's cool to see because that's where, what it is. But I, my bigger thing is like when when people just move out of the way for someone to just come through the lane and just dunk without any kind of resistance. I'm, I just don't enjoy that. So, I mean, I, I get it's what it's kind of turned into with the All-Star game. I'd like there to be some kind of stakes to kind of bring back some excitement. Like um, I saw an idea thrown out, like the winner gets home court advantage. Um, so, uh, so make, make it to where you have East versus West and you have that unifying factor. And so everyone has a reason to kind of play in the game because you have stakes for the game. Maybe that's not fair to the individual teams that would work for the better overall record. And that's what you would say that, you know, somebody who's really good in the East gets held down because they're just not that good that year with the stars or whatever, what have you. But there just needs to be to me, some kind of stakes that are attached to the actual game itself, because Right now, it just seems to kind of just be an exhibition of of talent, um, and that's cool if that's what they want it to be. I just am not sure that it's it's as engaging as what they want it to be. Look at the two thousand three All Star Game with 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 Kobe, Stephon, Mar- Marbury, Tracy McGrady. Like they actually wanted to go for it back then. Nowadays, it's just like okay, like like Anthony Edwards said, we're on break. 
Like we're just we're just here to like have a good time. But at the same time, like you guys are Anthony Edwards, he could be the future face of the league at some at, at one point. I feel as though he should take a little more effort into like actually putting on a show because nobody was even trying at all. Two hundred twenty, like Adam Silver. This was the first time Adam Silver was like, "Okay, I'm going on, going on bat for you guys, going to bat for you guys, saying like they're going to put on the show." Then right after that, he was like, "Oh, the East scored the, the, the most points." Like he, he wasn't even like saying it out of like, "Okay, this was a good show." It was just like they're just putting up a bunch of points, but no effort, no effort at all. And and Luka and I just want to say this: Luka and Jokic, that super team is going to happen at some point, Savon. Luka and Jokic, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna join for it. It's gonna happen. I He's going to retire and go straight horse riding. I saw, I saw it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. That's going to be the next super move. That's going to be the next super team, <laughs> Luka and Jokic. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think Jokic, too, unless he goes to Denver, I don't think Jokic is going to to leave. That's what Jokic said. Loyal. If it happens, Luka will come to Denver. Luka yeah. He wouldn't go to Dallas. Yeah. That's interesting. I could see it too, like because That's like Dallas doesn't is. look like they're making any moves. So Luka could be like, I'm out, fam, and, and just go and pair up with uh, – his 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 buddy with with Jokic. So you have to let a lot of people go if that happens. Do they keep Murray? How do you keep Murray and Luca? You don't need Murray at that point. Like no, if uh, he will have earned it, but oh. you won't need it. Oh, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go there. I'm not going. What? There. Did you? Aren't you? No, I'm no, no. It wasn't. No, my... hold on. No, I'm not meaning that as an offense to Murray. Like what? Why would you need Murray? Because Luca does everything that Murray does just better. He plays defense. Luca doesn't. Well, that's true. I'll, I'll give you that. But I mean, why? Why do you need, at that point you'd score so many points? Like, why? Do, why do you need that little bit of defense? <laughs> we don't play defense. It's the All Star game all over again. <laughs> I'm not breaking up the Murray Jokic because <laughs> Wellington thinks they're the best duo yes. in the in the league. The best duo in the league. In I mean, I, I like right now. I don't see how right you now. how you don't say it isn't right now. I like Mike and Ike. Mike and Ike. Uh, yeah. You're gonna have to tell me who that is. I'm. It's I'm a not, it's, it's a okay. Candy. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought it thought it was actually players that we were talking about. I think it was a candy. I just didn't know if we were still talking players. No, no. I'm just being crazy. I can't even. Well, yeah. Right now, yeah, because nobody else. I mean, everyone anything. thought it would be Dame and Giannis, but like no. that just has not translated. That's just not to which I don't. I don't understand how it's not. But for whatever reason, I I'm not sure. Like. I'm, the more I'm watching, and this is not a shot at Dame. I love Dame, but I'm just not sure that Dame plays very complimentary basketball. Like, he plays his role, but it just seems like he has a hard time, like, fitting in the system with the other guys, and, and he just seems very ball-centric. And, and he again, he's amazing at what he does, but, like, it seems like he's not – he doesn't facilitate at all. It's just basically he's more of a shooting guard than he is really a point guard. Absolutely. Because he, Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely, because there's no reason that that shouldn't be the most dynamic duo in the league with Giannis. Because again, I'm going to give it to Jokic just because Jokic has won it more recently. But Giannis has the kit to be just as dominant as what Jokic can do. Maybe not as versatile because Jokic can shoot it. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is with that duo with Lillard and Giannis working in that duo and them knowing their role, Giannis should be able to be lethal in that pick and roll game and just being able to Ooh, go and Luca being that, able. Yeah. That would be so nasty. But for whatever reason. They can't get that to work because either Dame, that's not Dame's game, or they just haven't thought. I, I can't believe that it's not. They haven't thought of it. I mean, they, they know these combinations, but just the fact that Dame just doesn't seem to be fitting into that role. And I think we kind of saw it with Portland, and it's kind of sad because it's. I think it might might be why he never wins a ring because he's so ball centric that it's just kind of like a black hole, and that it, he's amazing when he's on, but. 
if he doesn't get other people involved, then you just can't win it solo anymore. Were there what, what all did I miss from the All Star? Did you guys cover everything about the All Star game? <laughs> Pretty I, much, we, okay. we just we made we made fun of the dunk contest. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah get that out of Jalen. Yeah, <laughs> I I didn't see anything wrong with the the actual All Star game. There's at this point they tried everything to make it something. I mean, being yeah, that true. one year it was super competitive. It came down to yeah. wire. It was it was it was okay, I'm but it's yeah, it's not like the old school days. I just. Like, I wonder if the real reason is just as fans, we're kind of becoming disenfranchised with all-star stuff is yeah. just, it's like, when, because you've seen it with like football, they've gotten tired of, they don't want to risk getting injured. And so they tried to basically make it into an all sports battle, different mini games, basically. And that's work for them. But the NFL has basically just decided we're not, we're not yeah. here for the competition. We're kind of here just to, to which honestly I love, I don't know right, about you guys, but like, I actually like dodgeball because it actually like is, is somewhat fun. Yeah. I'd rather watch the dodgeball game than I would the actual pro bowl because the pro bowl is just a joke. But I wonder if like the NBA is kind of, that's the direction that they're going is they're just realizing that people are not, they realize that they can't get their players to play to the intensity of a normal game. And so they're just going to be content with basically making an ex- exhibition and we're all just going to kind of be okay with it. Guys, I have we to be okay close. with it. We were this close to getting a LeBron and Steph duo. We we're this close to getting a LeBron. I'm glad it didn't happen. <laughs> I am too. That, that, that <laughs> just honestly, like a bad and, and, that's and like honestly, if Thanos and Tony Stark had teamed up, bro. Yeah. That would that would just would not have that would not, not have worked. Because especially with LeBron, I mean, maybe like one to two more years left in his career, and he's thinking like, I want to, I want to go out the Lakers. That's the team he wants to go out with. He even said it. He's like, I'm not sure if I want to do the farewell tour. Just he's going to do a farewell. That's tour. cap, no yeah, for certain. Like, LeBron, cap. you are super capping right Tell now. Like, fifty percent. No we know what fifty percent you're going to do. You know what that means, LeBron. Every city is going to is going to give you a farewell tour, but. When you look at Le- LeBron and, and the Golden State rumors, I just don't think that would have even because Golden State obviously they still want to win now, but LeBron's thinking about hey how would that look for my legacy like all the Jordan fanatics they'd be like oh you went to Golden State so we can never quit like that would give them an easy alley to say oh you're you never would have been the Golden State. for sure for sure. To, to- story that got everybody's attention last week between the uh, Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. Golden State trying to acquire LeBron James. And how far did this go? And how and how much did you entertain that thought? Um, it didn't go far at all. You know, I, I actually heard about it when everybody else heard about it. You know, obviously, you know, Charles been in the league, Kenny been in the league, Shaq been in the league. And there's, sometimes there's conversations happen behind closed doors that you don't even know about. And until I guess if it's real or not, then they'll bring it to you. But it, it never even got to me. So, you know, I heard it when the reports dropped as well. You, Makai, what did you think about that that report and, and the rumors of it? I'm kind of a latecomer to this. Like, I, I knew it was like in in the it was out there, but like I hadn't read anything super seriously before we came on tonight together. Um, I, I mean, really, all I had to say is kind of what I just just said there is like to me, it just wouldn't have worked for I think for both of their legacies. We're saying for LeBron's legacy, I think for Steph's legacy, like that just would have looked odd on his resume that you teamed up with um, LeBron. I, again, I know he teamed up with KD. So it's like one of those things where it's like, what what does it really matter? I mean, you already teamed up with KD, but I think it just would have in the eyes of true fans that lived through the era, especially at least in the here now, it would have been different because uh, KD wasn't they weren't duking it back and forth like Steph and LeBron were in, in their heyday there in the mid 2010s um, when, when LeBron was on Cleveland and Steph was starting to, to get going and becoming what he is now. 
Um, again, I know that KD was in OKC, so it seemed like they were teaming up with, you know, the juggernaut on their side, but it just was never up to that level of, you know, and, and I think it, it, it plays into where we are now. Like LeBron and Steph played each other in, in three straight finals, right? Four straight finals, right? Four straight yeah. finals that they yeah, played each other. Um, so it's not the same level of when Katie joined up with them that they had had this animosity. And I don't want to like say that they actually have like straight animosity with each other, but it just would have been odd that after all the battles that they had had together, that then they're suddenly just going to team up. Um, and I'm not sure it really would have worked either, to be honest, because, um, LeBron historically needs like a lot of shooters, which Steph is, but like the, the Warriors aren't the greatest shooting team anymore just because of the cogs that they have and the pieces. Um, it it might have worked, but, like, I just don't see the the dominant big that both LeBron and Steph tend to like to have um, for their team. So I'm still not sure that it would have worked all, out on the basketball field, the court field. Um, so, uh, I mean, they're still two amazing talents, but they're both getting up there in age. So that's one of those things, too, like – the minutes then become a concern and then all that they would have had to given up to get LeBron. Um, like you said, I know they're in win now mode, but that's, that's like kneecapping yourself and for something that may not end up working. So it just would have been rather odd, I think. And so it's cool to think about. Um, but I just, I don't think in any realistic world, it really had a shot at being successful. It's like the Hulk and, it's like the Hulk and uh, what's, what's another comparison? <laughs> I said Thanos and Tony Stark. Yeah. I said the, it's Wolverine and yeah. Take your pick because that's just that, that's that's too crazy of, of a duo. Like like so you say Von Doc, Doctor Doom and Mister Fantastic. Oh uh, yeah, that was a good one too. That was a good one. Um, but but what did you think about about the news of it? And obviously like the legacy aspect of it. I think both guys are at, at a point in their career where obviously Steph he's got a few more years. He's, he's still playing exceptionally well. Even this season, just the supporting cast isn't as good. And LeBron, I think, obviously wants a different end to his career. Obviously, you can say that it could have worked, but just what Makai said, that it would have to give away a lot. So technically, it wouldn't work because you don't have the pieces to go with these two players because you'd probably have to give Andrew Wiggins. You're probably going to have to give up... uh, Kaminga. Yeah, Kaminga. Like, it's going to be a lot of... All the young pieces that you have. And I think obviously Steph Curry can play with anybody. We see what KD was. KD was one of the one of the strikers on that team, and they were able to play against. And LeBron's the same way, him with Kyrie. So them being able to play together, I think obviously we know that. But to be able to compete, they wouldn't be able to do that because of having to give up so many pieces. Then I thought about who would be the best player on that team, given the telling of the careers. And I could not answer that question. I know a lot of people say it's going to be Steph Curry. But LeBron James can do every facet of the game still at this age. I pose that question to you guys. <coughs> Who would it be the best player if they oh, were no. on the same team? Would have been Steph. Well, it's you answer way too fast, bro. <laughs> and I'm not I'm, I'm at least not. respectful, Wellington, and I paused at least out of uh, fake or real respect with either one. Right. There's, there's Wellington's no. just like, who? Steph. Yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. Just, no, because when we look at it, how many games has LeBron missed this season? Com- yeah, that's like, fair. LeBron's availability has been a lot lower. I'm not obviously yeah. LeBron's top two player of all time, but I'm saying at this point, we're seeing LeBron. It's not a legacy team. question. I, right. I yeah. like how you just did that. Well, let's say he's top two greatest of all time. He's doing out of <laughs> the conversation, not not. Out of, out of well, it's his wise con- quarter. Out of, out of respect. Yeah, well, it's wise zone. Come on, I'm telling you. Wise zone. I'm plugging, so- I'm plugging all the time. <laughs> 
but Steph to me is more is more available at, at this point, and he's he's been putting up a a large amount of points as he always does, and even and even more so because I I see Steph getting better even at the point of his career. LeBron he's slowing down more. I think he's like in that Le, that Michael Jordan ninety seven ninety eight phase where he's winning the game at a, at more of a mental point, at more of a mental part instead of just like the physical dominance that he once had. That's why I would say Steph because Steph to me is still like man, this guy is still looking as good as ever shooting wise. And that's going to be like a, a big, a big point to like tip them over if they were, you know, get, able to get to that champions championship spot if it was him and LeBron. But LeBron to me, he's just slowing down with years. Nothing to say that oh, LeBron's a scrub. LeBron's it is year good. fifty, though. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like at some point, you're gonna like you've been in the league for so yeah. many years. Like, you're gonna decline. Yeah, this is this is rare territory. Even when when jo- we compare Jordan and LeBron at this age, Jordan would not have been doing what LeBron LeBron is doing at this age. It just wouldn't have happened. So I, I would say I would say Steph. Um, I think overall, I think I I tend to agree with most of what he said, just because of the va- the availability. LeBron is still obviously more well rounded in all facets of the game than Steph is, and I think even at this age, I think I would still give the nod to LeBron in terms of defense. Uh, I don't think that's a question. Even at this age uh, that he's at, he's still just going to be able to play a little bit more defense. Now, maybe not as long. Um, but he's he's way, he's wise got, enough to know. Got to rest his knees. He, he, well, exactly. I mean, it's like you guys say he's in your fifty, so it's like you know he's gotta, he's got to take care of himself. Um, and but and and give him credit, he knows when to he knows when to put forth maximum effort because you don't ever see LeBron um, lacking trying once it gets into the playoffs. Um, but I think just where it gets. Um, where I would give it just to Steph overall is just a lot of the reasons Wellington said he just tends to move around a lot more. Um, he's just uh, he's elevated his game to where um, he's just a lethal shooter on offense. So I, yeah. I think I'd just give it narrowly. And again, it's like Wellington said, it's not any shot at Le- if that happened, if it was LeBron's legacy. It's not a legacy question at all. It would be literally a, a here and now question, like, like literally right here. Uh, and so... Um, I think just based off where their games are right now, it's just Steph ever so slightly though, because LeBron really does bring a lot to the game uh, still. And the the cool thing I'm, we, I know that I said that it wouldn't necessarily have worked, but I mean, can you imagine just LeBron driving down and whipping down a crazy pass to a wide open Steph just because oh. LeBron's just that good. That just, that would have just been absolutely epic. It's just like, Epic proportion of the of the D Wade and LeBron dunk, but instead it's it's LeBron whipping out a pass to wide open Steph on the three, and then just absolutely draining it, and it's like that. Just imagine that shot that in, photo, in NBA photo. history. Like yeah, that like... photo. <laughs> right, yeah. It's the same thing. Only it's, it's him instead of D Wade, and then it's all the way out at the three, absolutely perfect gooseneck, and it's nothing but butter going in. So it it'd be cool to see because um, LeBron still brings a lot, and he's still that field general on the court in terms of being able to orchestrate stuff. Um, but I would have just given the edge for that question just ever so slightly to Steph. Yeah. Just also because of where the game is now, I think, too, because of it, it, it's it, – I'm not saying that LeBron's style is fading away, but we are so three-centric now in the NBA that just, like, having that capability and and that speciality is, is – tips the balance to Steph's side a little bit, too, based off where the game is. Just like Luther Vandross says, Avon, here and now. Just here and now. <laughs> you should get Steph Curry tattooed on your thigh. Well, that's it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. 
It's the way they made him fall in love with the game again. You can't hate it. It's the same thing for me. It's like all the all the little kids growing up, and it's like they're used to LeBron, and then it's like, wait, this little this little midget's running around, basically, and midget respectfully uh, for 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 NBA players <laughs> running around and just shooting crazy shots and make them. Maybe that could be me one day. Really, no shot, kids. It's just the amount of skill that you have to have. But at the same time, like he is an inspiration in terms of being able to develop your game, and you don't necessarily need all the physical attributes that a lot of these other people are born and endowed with. It's just a, a good testament to how you can work hard and you can just really. Um, it, it's just hustle. And that's what I love about Steph Curry. Uh, uh, and that's not that other people don't, but just seeing him constantly move is just absolute inspiration to just be like, you know, always be looking and trying to find that second gear to keep going and, and keep putting forth effort, even though you're, you're probably shot and you just, if anybody tried to run as much as Steph, then it's just like they're winded. And I think that's what we've seen from his whole career is just no one can seem to run with Steph just because his conditioning, uh, and his motor is just absolutely insane. Um, quick question though: If you're the if if either of you are the Lakers GM this summer and you have the chance to get Trey Young or Kyrie, who do you get? Oh, of those two, Trey Young, Trey Young, yeah. Trey Young, because he's younger. Yeah, Kyrie, gotta go. Oh, Kyrie. really? Get the get the band back together. Get the band back one more time. <laughs> one last. That's what they're you, missing. They're missing that type of player with the Lakers. Point guard. They are missing yeah. point guard. But I mean, isn't that what Trey is? But isn't Trey just a younger version of what Kyrie is? I know he doesn't finish as nice as Kyrie, but I mean, LeBron's the finisher. You, you don't. LeBron doesn't need the person who's gonna have all the moves going to the rim. He just needs a, a lethal shooter, and I think that's Trey. I mean, they both have that in their kit. So I'm just like, why would you go with the older player? Yeah, I would go with Trey Young, but I think the Lakers are thinking about win now. Yeah, win now because okay, obviously so. LeBron doesn't have that much time in familiarity with Kyrie and There's LeBron. true, there's a familiarity And factor. I feel like Kyrie has overall better game and a more impact drawing players in. And he can do whatever Trey Young can do, I think, three times over in my in my eyes. I, Trae Young, I feel like Trey Young has declined the past couple of years. We haven't heard any about anything about Trey Young since he came. I mean, he's having a great year this year. I mean, obviously he's playing with the Atlanta, he's playing with the but Hawks, still, so I mean, it's one of those things having, where he still had press. He had a lot of press coming in his first three, first yeah, two, three Eastern years. Finals a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah sure. but I think I'll take Kyrie because I think Kyrie is a good headspace. I mean, he still can finish at the rim. He can still do a lot of things high, can, and then LeBron will want him there. Can you trust him to stay in that good headspace though? For the for the for what LeBron would need him to do though, that that would be. I'm not saying that he can't, but that would just be one question that I'd throw out. Like. Can can we truly trust Kyrie to stay in that good headspace, especially if he gets linked back up with LeBron? I think so because he wanted to play with LeBron. He wanted to go to the Lakers um, and play with LeBron before he went That's to true. Dallas. So I yeah. think there's some like some growing up he did. So the reason why he left Cavs because he wouldn't want to be the second. Realized second the grass wasn't always yes. greener on the other side. Exactly where he could have could have won at least two or three more championships with LeBron if he would have stayed. Um, but I do think, I think it would have been very, I mean, it's not like a huge difference. Like I said, Trey Young, but I'm just opposed to Kyrie more because I like his game because he's a finisher yeah, uh, more than a shooter. I just don't know that I, the only thing, again, why do you need a finisher when you've got AD and LeBron? I mean, I guess just that AD. added, that added tool AD. in your belt. So I mean, I don't trust AD. do you trust AD? I don't, I don't trust him. I don't. 
I don't trust AD. I mean, I don't trust him either, but I mean, to still do his job if you if you paired him up with one more person. Just imagine because let's that be real. with him and Kyrie, though. That one-two game? Eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what I guess my biggest thing on why I still would go Trey is 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 health is the biggest thing. Like that would be an old team, and like anybody pops anything wrong come playoff time, then your your chances are shot. Kyrie hasn't been hurt that. for a while though. Since what fifteen? I guess that's true. He just seems to he just seems to be pretty spotty. And what was that? Year, that Brook, that first Brook, Brooklyn year, I think he was injured because him and Harden. No, Harden was still there in that Eastern, in that in that semifinals, but Kate Kyrie was out. He was doing. I didn't think. I thought he wasn't hurt. I thought it was you know off court issues oh, that he was going okay. with. Yeah, because he was. That going was that with, was the uh, year after COVID, wasn't it? Yeah, where, where he had all the drama with the the vaccine and that's, yes, that's what that, that was. He wasn't hurt. It was the vaccine. The, the hurt year was the year after after Harden had gotten traded away, and he was dinged up, and he got back in time for the playoffs with the Bucks. I think because he was he was hobbling in that game. I think is when he was dinged up. I could be wrong on that too, but they were playing the years the Bucks. I think won the championship, um, and Durant had that 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 game that where the toe was just on the line, and everybody talks yeah. about that. I think he was coming off being dinged up, that or he had gotten dinged up in that game because he'd done something with his ankle. I don't know. I, I can't remember for sure. That might but it seems like he's been dinged up in in a, one of the past couple of years, but. Um, and I'll get to our last topic with Jason Tatum. He recently had an interview about um, him saying that, you know, he feels as though he's the best player in the league right now. Um, and also that, you know, what else would he say? What else would he say? But at the same time, we, me and Makaya talked about this in, the, in a couple episodes ago. He has underperformed in big moments in the playoffs. Um, against Miami, he did that. Um, especially last year when, you know, when they were the one seed, Miami's the eighth seed. And their offense becomes pre- predictable at points. You know, it's just, okay, it's Tatum, it's Brown, it's, you know, ISO, it, it's ISO heavy. The, the, the game, when it gets when it gets down to the whining moments, you know what Boston's going to do. But to you, Makai, what do you think about his comments about being the best player and him saying that, hey, like, it, the, the, it's, the throne is mine for the take and I just got to win this year and, I, and I'll be the guy. He is the most overrated player in the NBA today. I'm sorry. He is so overrated. And for him to say that, it's like, bro, you had the Warriors on the ropes and you blew it. You were far and away the better team last year against Miami. And you let Jimmy Butler go hero mode and take out your team. You do nothing but disappear when the moment gets the brightest. Ding. He literally disappears when clutch time gets on. You've got some players that absolutely are are pedestrian and they turn it on when clutch time comes and they're just epic performers when clutch time comes and it's time to perform that way. Clay used to be that way. I'm not saying Clay was that way, but Clay and I would don't mean to say that Clay was pedestrian, but Clay, but I think we all can agree that playoff Clay went before he got hurt was a different animal than like regular season. Like Clay used to be absolutely insane when it was time for him to perform. And then you've got Jason Tatum, who is the opposite. He's amazing in the regular season, amazing when there's no pressure, um, a.k.a. A front, like? runner, a, a front runner, basically. And then James when Harden. the moment gets brightest, who'd you say it sounded like? James Harden. Yeah, yeah, James Harden. It, it really is. It's, it, Jason Tatum is probably the James Harden of, of, this, of this next era, really, is because he is amazing when he has it going and when he's cooking and but when as soon as you turn on you put the clamps on and you turn up the heat he just disappears and it's like i you guys tell me is is um 
Brown not better come clutch time than Tatum? Is. Like Brown looks so much better when they're actually when it comes to actually performing and stepping up in the big moment. I feel like like when the when the Warriors Jalen Brown, yeah, Jalen Brown, like he 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 seems to embrace the moment better than what Jason Tatum does. I'm not, I'm not saying that he doesn't have his Tatum. moments. We're just saying compared to Tatum, and oh, I'm not saying that he's okay, this because Tatum went down. Tatum went down last year, and Jalen Brown did not show up. Well, that's because I think that he's not a true number one. I think he's a classic number two. But uh, I think what I'm just trying to say, what I'm just trying to say is when it comes to clutch time, and I'm specifically thinking of that Warriors championship, Jalen Brown kind of embraced the moment. And and I would have to look back on the numbers, but it seems from what I remember, like he he stepped up to the plate and and did his thing when it was time for him, when Jason Tatum was kind of disappearing and and going away. Maybe I could be wrong in remembering that. But I just feel like he's got much more of a killer instinct in him when it comes to clutch time. And that's not to say that he can carry them. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say that. I, I Basically, what I'm trying to say is two things can be true at once. I don't think that he can necessarily be the focus point of a team and carry them by himself. But at the same time, for whatever reason, when he's got someone else to run alongside him, when he's got a running mate, it seems to me that based off of what I've seen, it seems like he's got a little bit more of a killer instinct in in the brightest moment and being... Maybe it's maybe it's all just in my head, and maybe it's just one of those things where in his head, like he's not afraid of the moment, even though it doesn't necessarily translate to him performing. But it just seems like he doesn't shy away from the moment, either for good or for bad. Whereas Tatum is just trying to kind of run away and hide when when it when it gets the big moment, and it just seems that like Tatum is not touching the ball when it's time for him to touch the ball in in clutch time. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm at the. Step back from the degree with that. I was dinging a lot, and then I, I can't agree with that. I agree with that. I'll put the ding. I'll put the bells in. I'll put the bells in. Because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, because before Jason Tatum went down in that game, he was had that killer instinct. I don't think that you can have one or the other. Because if Jalen Brown has the killer instinct, he would do Why that with the lead? top. Yeah. Without the top, well, because I guess what I'm thinking is kind of what I was saying earlier. Like he can be pedestrian on his own, and other times, but like when the moment calls for it, he steps up. I guess is where I'm trying to think. But maybe you still yeah. don't think that that can happen. Two things can't be true at once in that situation. But that's at least where my head was with that. Is that he's not the main guy, but like when when it requires for him to step up and kind of take the lead, then he's willing to do so. I can't. Yeah, I can't because. The big okay. moment came last year, and they gave him a big con. We talked about that in the summer. They gave him a big contract where he did not do anything in that, <laughs> yeah, that's that true. series. That's true. So I was like, uh, "Why did they pay him out of all people?" Of like, two, I'm going off of two years ago, where years I, I don't ago. remember his performance as much last year. So that that's completely valid, right? But I do think the the last what we thought Jason Tatum was going to be when when they went toe to toe with LeBron James in the Cavaliers to get to. Whoever went went out the, the Eastern Conference Finals go to the, the Finals. Band. Yes, we thought okay, Jason Tatum is going to be this guy. He's going to be he's going to reach that pivot to where he separates himself from a lot of players, and he's done that in a sense. But he doesn't have that killer instinct. I don't think just yet. And to say that you're the best player That's in the wild, NBA, man. that is you. You have no chips. And I'm not saying that you have to have Bing. chips. I'm not just going to say that you have to have chips to to say that claim. But, like, how can you say that when there's other dudes who have gotten it the past couple of years? And, I mean, maybe you Bing. do. Maybe you do have to. But to me, that that you've got 
you still got Giannis, who's just won it, what was it, three years ago? You've got Jokic, who's won it last year. Put Murray um, and in there. You, and, and you've got Steph, who just literally beat you two years ago. So it's like I one don't of those think things he's where it's better like, than Murray, to be honest with you. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I don't think Tatum is better than Murray. Because when Murray is full, full on healthy, yeah, Murray's and, a monster. Yeah, and he's not scared of the moment. You can't say that Jamal's scared of the moment. He's like not. he, he, he will he's absolutely not. embrace the moment, and mm-hmm. he will hustle on defense. Uh, I mean, I think Tatum's got a little bit better kit, but on defense, but uh, yeah, he's I, I don't think that's he, completely you know. crazy to say. Honestly, no. I really don't think that's completely crazy to say. Now, he, the, yeah. the only thing where I would say is it's hard to be a judge because Murray has the luxury of playing with objectively probably the best the best big man in the game and possibly the actual best player in the game. Uh, but that, and that's not to take away from Murray's talent, but it's hard to separate separate the two um, because when Murray's playing with that level of a teammate, then it, it's going to make him look a lot better. It was like a, when uh, Tatum's the focal point. Yeah, exactly. It's like they're both excellent in their own right, but it's hard to actually uh, evaluate their own individual greatness or, when they were together. Or like Steph and Clay situation. Or like Steph and Clay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's valid. That's valid. Okay, it has been an absolute pleasure having you back on. I was gone for most of it, but Savon held it down. Savon's corner held it down. He was he was the facilitator no. for this one. But thanks so much for, for being back on, bro. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, guys. Definitely. Well, that wraps it up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! Viva! Viva Las Vegas! Welcome back to the show. We're joined by a special guest, Joe Pizzolatto, a good friend of mine, uh, one of the best guitarists that I know. Thanks so much for being back on, bro. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I had to plug (laughs) it. Yeah, hey. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Well, we have a lot of album album reviews to get into for this one. To start off with Kanye West and Ty Dolla Sign's Vultures Volume 1. Um, In the suit, project is filled with, you know, dark and multi-layered beats. The production is, you know, uh, more of the actual highlight compared to, to some of what you know Kanye offers ly- lyrically because in this album I was the production in Ty Dolla Sign to me was like the highlight of it and there was one track where I was like okay that sounds like old Kanye burn that was like the one track where it's like okay he was like in the pocket he was in the flow and it, yeah like, overall it just was bits and pieces of like man the production is the highlight but Kanye is just not the same guy that he once was and he's kind of mm-hmm. like I think ever since maybe Life of Pablo um, that's when yeah. the last time I heard like an actual, like a really highlighted, um, and I, and I like Donda as well, but I think Life of Pablo was like a more consistent project. Um, so you Joe, kind of like, what did you think about this album overall and just some of your main takeaways? Man, I'll be honest. I think halfway through, I just stopped listening. There you um, go. you know, I reached a point where I, man, I don't know how else to say it. It's just. I'm a fan of, you know, you're right. Life of Pablo is probably the last, you know, bit of air that we got from Kanye that I think we all enjoy. But at the same time, like, I mean, bro, I'm, you know, like his tracks like late and all the other stuff he did. I mean, his features, all that stuff. I don't, I mean, I can't ever not forget that. And when I listen to this new one, I'm just, I, I just don't, I don't know, man. It didn't do anything for me. I gotta be honest. It was just lifeless, bro. For me, me personally, I can't. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, you know? Like, that's spot on. It felt empty. 
Bro, I mean, some of the beats too. I was like, what? What was that one joint on there? I was like, just basically sampling and just looping hood rat in the background. Yes, I was like, yes, thank you. Oh my goodness! I was like, bro, no, I don't need that. That's me. That's me personally, though. No, you're you're a lot of people. You're a lot of people. Same, bro. Like it took too long to get into the album, and then. Yeah, it was just like, bro, it, was, it just didn't feel like I didn't feel anything. I was you, 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 all these samples, all these little videos you put out there to get us hyped for the album. And then when we listen to it, it's not creative. Some of the beats are just, okay, we've heard this type of Kanye beat before. I don't know if he held a writing camp or not, but the bars weren't really there. The hooks were okay. I mean, Todd Dolla Sign is Todd Dolla Sign. It was just, yeah. It's no about Ty there. I mean, I, I I've never really been a fan of Ty Dolla Sign, but it just was the same Ty Dolla yeah. Sign. He's it's Ty, man. I already knew what to expect, uh, but it's just like yeah, it was it was lifeless. That was the perfect. It was literally lifeless for a a musical genius to put this out and continue to put out music like this. You're, I feel like you're taking away from your legacy. Yeah, I was ask, is he hurting this? his legacy at this point? Is he kind of for yeah, certain? Truly, yeah. truly, for certain. Why drop this? Why even put this out? Like, what's I the? Mean, I, I think hip hop in general is a very hard thing to continue to do as an artist. You know, once you get up there in age. I mean, I'm not calling Kanye West old by any means, but there's think about it. There's a small list of cats, and that can be classified as a rapper and MC that um, you know are still doing it and still doing good work i mean first one that comes to mind is big boy you know somebody like that where they're still making songs like actual songs but for me you know uh, yeah you're right he's hurting his legacy straight up and there's two and Savon, there's two more volumes coming there's two more volumes that he's like wow Wait. i don't even <laughs> this was just two volume more. one i was just oh, like oh no my thing is what what more is there to do after a after a project like this? You know, it's almost like it's it's too much music to have. And I don't think like Mike Dean, he's he wasn't a part of this project as much as he was with Donda, like one of his greatest collaborators. And I think he's missing some people that he once had that like actually held him accountable. He's got a bunch of yes men around him now. It's just like oh, hey, whatever sure. he wants to put out. Oh, for you sure. know what I mean? He's just got a bunch of yes men. Like whatever you want to put out, hey man, put it out. Like to to, to you, Joe, like when a can you kind of just tell immediately when an artist gets to that point of like, okay, they, they just don't have the same passion they once had? Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, whether you are a rapper and MC or you're a producer even, or, or um, dude, that even go that even translates into engineers, you know, like it's a really hard thing to hold on to. I think that high level of just expectancy out of what you're touching on, what you're working with to keep that vibe going that, that searching for the next sound and so on and so forth. But, you know, you're right. I mean, not having Mike Dean in the situation, um, that's a big loss. You know, it's like, could his live show exist without him? No, I don't think so. You know, so it's like, even at that point, like why take him out of the studio perspective, you know? But again, it's it's a tricky situation. I mean, I can, I've, I've seen so many artists that I love, and I know you guys as well, that you're just like, man, and Kanye is a great example. We all have talked about this in the past. We love Kanye. Yeah. We love Kanye. But that's not that's not Kanye. 
No. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who that guy is. But uh, but but and and in totality though, like Savon, you said you said that after you heard Donda, you were like, "This moves <laughs> yeah. him out of my top." Like, this yeah, moves him out of sure. my top five. For it, sure, it, 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 it's gotten that serious for you where you're like, "Yo, you're, you're the music you're putting out, I'm immediately removing you out of like my top five list." Because yeah, bro, because you look at his catalog, right, and all the music he's touched throughout his career, just from producing, being an artist just being just a front runner, a, a lot of albums and him standing his own with Jay-Z on watch the throne bar for bar top five for sure. I've been dropping Dondo or just doing these little loose projects, bro. There has to be a cutoff line and you have to be like aware. And I know you, you'll, you say, I'll do anything I want. I want to do hot drop music. Okay. Go ahead and drop it. But your legacy is decreasing and getting hit. Because you're not aware of what you're dropping. Yeah. It's like if LeBron James stayed in the NBA until he's like in his mid 50s. It's like, bro, your knees are going out. You yeah, can't bro. Be, you're hurting yourself. Bro. You're a <laughs> water boy. Yes, bro. Right. Why are you still here? Like, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, what did you think about it? What did you what think I thought about, about it? it? Yeah. I, I, like, I liked parts of it, but it was, it was main so because of Ty Dolla signing the production. Because, like, the first day I heard it, like literally, so the first thing I heard on my birthday, I was like, "Oh man, the production's phenomenal," but I can't listen to I can't can't keep listening to Kanye. Yeah, the, 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 the back to me track with Freddie Gibbs. There's that one phrase where Kanye just keeps repeating the same thing. I'm like, Kanye, are you, are you still gonna keep repeating this? I bet like, Freddie was not even in that session. I was anymore. like, Freddie, like, can, can I come in at one point? <laughs> yeah, bro. God, and Freddie Gibbs had a dope verse to me. Freddie Gibbs had a dope verse to me. Yeah, but, it wasn't but I, bad. But think, it wasn't bad. Yeah, but I think that. Nothing could save what the the no. disaster that Kanye. Played. He did. The, Freddie did the best he could. What do you have? He did the you best he could, honestly, man. I mean, no creative album cover. Like as we no. mentioned, nothing was just out of this. You got <laughs> what's your, up with you album your, covers? You got your secondary Kim Kardashian with yeah. you. <laughs> trying to find a replacement girl. Trying to find a replacement girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh oh my man. goodness. But yeah, the whatever whatever Vultures leads to, because he says he's doing two more volumes and it's just a, a, an exclusive solo album. He just he, he needs to put it up for he needs to put it up for a bit. Just just yeah. be a producer. Just be a I producer. Mean, I would I I will say this. Last thing I'll say about this. I would truly love if he could somehow be convinced just to. I'm not even saying go back and copy what he did in the younger years. But just boil it down, bro. Jump back in there at that MPC. Or I forget the keyboard he used. Um, but just get back in there, man. Just get in this one with some records and just, I don't know, tear down all the walls that you think we want to see. You know, I mean, I mean, a lot of people say Kanye never was the same after his mom died. I mean, who wouldn't be? But at the same time, like, man, I would love that magic. I would love to hear that magic again. No, it was yes. magical. It was magical. <laughs> he was in a pocket, man. Late registration, oh college goodness. dropout, gradu- graduation is still one of my favorite albums. Late, ever. late is my my favorite Kanye track. Late, late for That's that a good is, one. bro. That I mean, and, but yeah, his features everything. Yeah, we can ramble about this, man. Oh, for sure. <laughs> if we're mentioning like ranking Kanye albums, it's man, come on, like yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's early, early work. Right. Um, and I'll get into our next view with Usher's Coming Home. Uh, in, in this project, you know, there's a smooth, melodic feel to it in, in his ninth album, even though it's at, at a point like kind of his legacy act, he's still able to deliver quality R&B music. Um, I like the second half more of this because I feel as though the first half he was just 
it was more feature heavy, stacking it with features. And obviously yeah. with the Super Bowl, he's just, obviously, this was a smart time to put on an album. Exactly. Uh, to, to, to you, Joe, like, what did you think about this project overall? And, and did you have any thoughts on the Super Bowl halftime show? Because me and Tavon even haven't mentioned that. I think that was one of the best shows we, we've seen in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, um, I, I think I really only caught glimpses of it because I was on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean when, when, um, when it was on. So I was being very stingy with the internet package and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just made sure I could text human beings. And that was it. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, man, they will take the money out of your pocket if you're not careful. Um, but who you tell it? <laughs> right. But overall, I mean, look, man, like Usher's always going to have a great team of people around him. Yeah. Um, and the producers that he has, you know, he, he's dialed in. He could put out a record that'll hold strong at any point, I think. I, you know, it's funny. You said you like Wellington, that you like the um, second half like better. And I actually enjoyed the first part Yeah. more so, I think, because... You know, like what's that song? Good, good. Like that was a relatable track to me. You know, that like, was a five track. That was that was something that I think that was was one of the ones that stood out the most to me. Mm-hmm. I've been there, been through a breakup, and you love that person still so much, but you, you want to be in their life. But it was just such a great story. I think that hit home. I mean, granted, you know, you're right. The features and stacking that up. I think features are are. Uh, picky or a, or a very tricky thing i should say but yeah i mean the production bro is the first thing the first track that on that record i was like eh. you know I, I really, <laughs> there's some, there were some snare sounds in there i was like bro I, I had that on mixcraft back in the day but um overall yeah man it's just it's some modern r&b record yeah yeah you know i mean now i will say this if we're talking about modern r&b I still wouldn't hold it to some of Lucky Day stuff because Lucky Absolutely. Day is oh, yeah. Lucky, Lucky well, Day is uh, Lucky is cooking. I mean, Lucky is a, he is, but he's young, he's hungry, he's in his not. I'm not gonna say his prime, but I mean, he's, it's real musicianship. For me. Candy his, drip was fire, Savon. Candy, you got it. Candy drip, you got it. Mainstream. When Lucky it's gonna was, happen. It's gonna happen. When Lucky was just. In like his indie pocket, man, it was so much better. I mean, the production and all, it's still there, but his what he's talking about, his music is just too mainstream for me. I mean, it's yeah. still good, but I like Lucky Day when he was just indie, like yeah. before he even pulled out Roll Some More, like his music prior to that, SoundCloud, like yeah, hundred percent, yeah. And then he had he's from New Orleans, he has that you know church stuff going in mm-hmm. uh, influence. It was just yeah, mm-hmm. but it's just too mainstream. For me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's one thing I could say is like Usher, obviously, like I said, is going to be always putting out quality production. I mean, the the I already know that that album would be great to see live. I would love to see him perform that live. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Definitely. So you, Savon, what did you kind of think about this this album overall? And I, I did want to get your, your Super Bowl halftime show breakdown because I know you had a lot of thoughts about it. <laughs> The highlights, the, the yeah. uh, Jermaine Dupri coming out with uh, thought it was CeeLo Green, <laughs> the CeeLo Green. I promise you, I thought it was CeeLo Green, was bro. Too. I thought it was. I, was like, I know he's from Atlanta, but why he got about <laughs> why he got CeeLo Green out here? But it, it was, starts it with caught up. Yeah. It starts with caught up. He, the first track he did starts was that was that was. Think I didn't he think he would start with I didn't that. Think he would. I did. I will say this. I didn't say this earlier. That I did see the little bit of the show where they gave Aaron Spears a tribute. 
They had the drum set set up for him. He was his old drummer that passed away like last year. Oh, I didn't. Bro, even that was that. that was yeah. so that was beautiful to me. I didn't even uh, notice that. Oh yeah, that was. Oh, it was a pan out shot, and it was it was a bunch. Yeah, of, okay, a, okay. There was okay, a drum okay. set to the yeah, right. Uh huh. Okay, was, I did that see that. That was left up in his honor. I was like, I didn't think much into it. I was like, oh, maybe he yeah. caught up. Know. He's the one to play drums. You know, on the whole thing. Like, it was. That's crazy. That's just, yeah. That's even better though. I love yeah. I love the way he. I mean, he had had stripper poles out there, which was crazy for the NFL. I don't know how he got that improved, but hey, it was out there. I didn't I ride bet <laughs> I bet it's because this is the fun fact. You guys probably know this, but I mean, NFL is technically an entertainment industry. It's not even a sports broadcast thing. Right? So yeah, like, yeah. They're like, yeah, hey, we're clear. Put the stripper pole, the stripper poles but, up. We're good. You know. NFL is kind of you still. Uh, we're not gonna do anything to Be jeopardize. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. we did have back to back, back to back, back to back black. Yeah, uh, halftime shows. We won't get that next year for sure. Well, it's gonna be in New Orleans, so Wayne? maybe Lil Wayne. I think and Lil he'll Wayne bring Drake out. Yeah, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Because I'm trying to be there. I'm trying to uh, work the Super Bowl. I'm trying to be there. So if yeah. With NFL Network. So if they have Lil Wayne there, Drake has to come out. And I'm going to be on the field like a groupie. And I'm going to yeah, be... OBO tatted up. Yes. <laughs> OBO hoodie on everything. I'll be crazy. But no. Um, so I was... Yeah, I was surprised when they allowed that to happen. I was like, oh, sure, folks. Okay, we got kids watching this. Um, but no, I think the, the song setup was great. I think the performance, you could tell he was gassed. He was extremely oh, yeah, gassed. Yeah. Ro- Knew he was gonna have roller skates in there. Didn't think Alicia her Keys sang off key. Alicia King, Alicia Keys started. Yeah, off she. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I would be a little upset if, if I was uh, Alicia Keys didn't sound. If good? I was Swiss. Absolutely no. Oh no, no. Go. Uh, no. You can. The performances on YouTube. They edited out the first note. They edited out. Oh, they did edit it out to make it sound. Yeah. Yeah. No, that note. It was. Um. What song was it? I ain't got you. If I ain't got you, she didn't hit it. She missed it. And you could tell she was straining so bad. <laughs> so, so bad, but she made up for it in the back end. But because they sung my boo, obviously you got to sing that. Uh, but I didn't Man. think her was going to be out there. The Ludacris and Little John knew it was going to happen eventually. So now it was a good performance. I want to say the best performance ever, but I think it was a really good performance because you got Prince, you got um, Michael Jackson. A lot of people say, oh, Jetta Jackson and Justin Timberlake was really good. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely Prince had time shows. Yeah, crazy. That was crazy. Crazy. He's such a great performer. Like, yeah. He's yeah. Who's the next person you think is you think is gonna do it? Like that's like that's hip hop. Like or R and B. what's the next? I mean, if it's if it's Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne has to have an incredible halftime show. I mean, it only uh, makes sense. It only makes sense. Unless they do Taylor Swift, I think they might do Man, that. you know who In I New wish? Orleans? The NFL and Taylor Swift, they got some type of some type of no, connection going CBS. on. <laughs> it's CBS. CBS. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy how CBS does it. But I think Fox will have it, so they probably won't. Give it to Wayne. We should give it to Wayne, honestly. Have Man, to. I, it's New Orleans. I would love to see. This is probably not going to happen. Man, but a Busta Rhymes halftime oh, show. Yeah. Oh, goodness. He's my top five. Top five greatest Bro. MCs. I'm, I know I'm skipping ahead, but just oh, give yeah. you a preview. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> Busta's in my top five. Dude's man. just insane, man. He's got hits. He's got the hits. But I yeah. mean, look, I, I only say that now because 
If they're putting up stripper poles, and I think Buster Ron should be able to get up there. Right. Because <clears throat> he'll bring out everybody. He could bring out Jan- well, Janice Band. Never mind. Nope. Never burn. <laughs> <laughs> you can't come. I can't come. <laughs> You're done, Janet. LL-, <laughs> LL Cool J at one point? Maybe LL Cool J at one point? It's too late for him. Yeah. He doesn't have no luster. It's it's too late. He doesn't have any. Yeah, I mean he. I mean you got to think. Was the last time he put something out that was a banger? You know, it's right. Like he had hits, but but it's... I'm gonna say this. I know they're never gonna give it to this person. Chris Brown should have one. I know they never will, but Chris Brown should have. Yeah, one. He would put yeah on I mean, his will be better than Usher's for sure. He, yes, he would put on a crazy show. Yeah, that's but true. The league, but the league would never give him a, a shot again. No, no. He's. I yeah. mean, if they have Rihanna there, they gotta have Chris Brown there. I mean, but we got to get props around. She did it while she was pregnant. Like, yeah, she did a phenomenal yes. job, too. She did a good one. Fly in really and, one. Girl, where you going? And <laughs> that's crazy. Mm-hmm. For sure. But, did you? Did, what did you kind of think about the album overall? Did you first oh, I forgot about the album. Yeah, I know. We were just talking about that. <laughs> we were just now, talking about it was. I want to say it was a typical Usher album. Obviously, he's, you know, gearing it to modern R&B. And I think... I think he's such a great performer and a great singer that he can adhere to like any time of R and B or music or whatever. And so I thought it was I thought it was dope. I do like the first half more. Um, the second half, it's just, it wasn't too long of a project, but it's it's Usher, so Usher's going to put out so much music. But I thought it, like it should have been. Songs. Con- it was yeah. like it's actually songs. a lot longer than I thought it. Like yeah. when you sent me the info, I was like, wow. Fourteen I songs would have been would have been, been good for this. Yeah. Because some of the streaming, I mean, streaming era, definitely... the streaming era, right? Yeah, yeah. a lot of plug-in sure. songs, a lot of album songs. Oh. I didn't hear a lot of single songs on this album, though. I didn't hear a lot of single songs on this album, so maybe that's was the reason. They'll, but they'll I, probably come up with something out of that. Who knows? Yeah, I think it was solid. But live, I think every song live would go crazy because he's he's a I great know. performer. Great I think singer. if there was a single, it would be good. Good. I think. Yeah. With yeah. You that's know, probably yeah, the only one that I, I heard was like, okay, you can put that out first and it'll mm-hmm. run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Overall, solid project. Um, and now getting into our next review with Huey Breeze, Living Off the Land. Um, in this album, you know, there's an abstract and Rizalda type feel to it. And sometimes, you know, he kind of gets lost in the beat more than, than being a standout on the track. And I, I like the overall project. Um, I feel as though at some points, the tone of his voice gets repetitive, especially with, with the production um, kind of later on in the project. Um, but as Savon, as we've done with Griselda projects, he kind of does have that Griselda feel, that that great yeah. flow. Um, to you, Joe, kind of what did you think about this this album overall, and and what did you kind of feel about his his delivery in it? Man, I, you know, I thought it was what? How many records does he have out now? How many is he? I don't want to misquote. I think um, he might have two or three projects currently. Okay. Out. All right, so uh, look, I liked it. I mean, it was cool. It was a solid overall. Like, it, it's not something I would just bump. Um, I felt like some of the beats. Here's my thing. Uh, you know, it, like the samples. I mean, I could I could tell you right now, some of the samples were all splice. I've heard them before. Um, but you know, it was dope. And what happens though is in that kind of homage to like. Sample heavy, boom bap, old school hip hop, whatever, whatever. It can kind of sound mimicky, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. there were a couple beats. Um, man, what was the one song on there? I have to pull it up. But there was about one song on there that really stood out to me. Um, 
other than that, man, it was just what's it called? Oh, please don't go. I thought that was that was a solid chart. That was the first one that really stood out to me. But um, you're right, Wellington. Like the delivery kind of gets mundane after a certain point. You know, um, it's it's kind of what happens with me and Benny the Butcher. You know, like after a certain point. All right, bro. Did you like his it. last album? Did you like his last album? Everybody came uh, I did. I mean, look, again, I mean, I feel like we repeat ourselves with this <laughs> stuff, you know, but the 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 production was great. I love the beats, but, you know, there is a lost art, you know, that just doesn't happen anymore. It's the same thing even on the Kanye record, and, and whether it's modern hip-hop, old-school hip-hop, or whatever, um, or at least mimicking old hip-hop that style. There's no hooks, man. Why it's hip hop doesn't mean you can't have a good hook, right? You know, like a good like when I say hook, I mean it could be vocals, but like melody change, like just because you repeat something for eight bars doesn't mean it's a hook, you know, in my mind. But um, Bing. see, yeah, with Benny, with, with Benny, like the same thing with with this uh, album we're talking about now. It's after a certain point, man. Um, it's just beats and words. Unless you're really like on some, you know, some higher level of pain game, you gotta get a little bit more creative. So some of the beats just there was a couple that knocked hard and then after that it was just kinda like, all right, cool. You know. Just just a sample that's chopped and there's there's no real um I don't know, I just didn't feel it in my gut, I guess. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> <laughs> To you, Savon, what did you kind of think about this overall? And and like Joe was saying, sometimes we see with rappers got great samples, great production, but it just doesn't have the same life to it as as we you know used to feel. Right. Um. I think it had his moments. I think he's uh he's a lyricist, but he doesn't change. He's just like yeah. um. What's the other guy named that? Um. Larry June. Larry June. He's Larry like June. Larry June and a couple other guys are just. The same pitch is just continuing. I mean, it's consistent. A lot of people like the consistency of the rapping, but I'm old school. Like I like the beat changes. I like the 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 vocal change, pitch change, finding different cadences within your voice, yeah. uh, different melodies. That's that's where I come up from. So just to for to listen to it, even if it's ten songs, it still got redundant. I'm like, all right, bro. Like even when the beats like are like amazing, like the up tempo, like I think it's Paradise or something. Um, oh, another one like that, Savon, is um, uh, Fly Anakin. Like, dope. Like, his beats are dope. But, like, after a while, you listen to his stuff, it's just like, all right, bro. I, I get it, man. You smoke it yeah, a lot. I, yeah, yeah, I get yeah, it, you yeah, know? yeah, like, yeah. That is a good point. That's a definitely good point. That's a definitely good point. How did you say that? And he's the same way. Like, even the um, Overpass, Last Resort, the beats – up tempo and he's just here. Yeah. Like he's dead. Like just dead on the tray. Like yeah. Just so, yeah. you know, it's not like this. It's just straightforward. Like, bro, you gotta your voice is an instrument. All you're doing is accenting the production. And and I'm on board with the hooks, bro. If it could be hip hop, but it has to have some good hooks. The MCs that we're about to say later on can <laughs> have hooks. <laughs> that are amazing and still be hip hop. Come on, man. So yep. yeah, this was yeah, this was all right. Yeah. Speaking of somebody who switches it up, J. Cole, he uh, I don't know if you saw Savon, he dropped a new teaser to to his uh to his uh one of his new songs for Welcome yeah, for back, his Cole. Project. 
Welcome back. See, I'm always gonna be interested in what what Cole drops. Yeah, I was gonna Welcome ask you, Joe. We never talked about Cole with you. But like, what are your overall, you know, um, thoughts on on what Cole has done in his career and what he's about to um, do? Man, there was only one record I really wasn't sure of. Didn't wasn't he dropped a record during quarantine or like right before? Right? Was it somewhere in there? I forget. Um, I forget which one it was, but um, which, by the way, I got a signed Cole, uh, J Cole CD right up here. Um, yeah, a homie of mine had it. Very short story. A homie of mine, one of my best friends, lives up in Nashville now. He came down here to visit, and he was like, "Hey, man, do you want this CD? It's just been floating around in the back of my car. A friend of mine got a sign for me, but I, I mean, it's just in my car. I was like, cool, boom, put it up there. Um, <laughs> but that was like with ATM and all that stuff. Like that record right there was fire to me. Oh, and I, I mean, like I said, I just don't remember what year that record. Came oh, out. KOD, you mean KOD? Yeah, was KOD, that was fire. That was like the was last nice. one I yeah. that was the last one I thoroughly listened to. The one after mm-hmm. that I wasn't really a fan of. Oh the off season. Off season. Yeah, Same. I was just wow, I was surprised you guys didn't like the off season. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't it, bro. Yeah. Oh, oh, so you like that one. Wellington you like that one. Not as not as much as because I'm more I mean, it's Friday Night Lights. The warm up, like his earlier stuff, I think that's his, some of his best stuff. 100%. Obviously, Forest Hills Drive. Um, but I, I thought the off season was good. Like, what did you guys not like? What did you not like about the off season in particular? Though? Um, I don't know. I, I think it was just. It really felt. Um, I think Roscoe and I talked about this at one point. Uh, you know, I, I, I just didn't didn't have the same. I call it energy, vibe, feel. It just kind of felt like a record to be put out, and I think that was around the time he's he's working on being a pro ball player. So maybe he was focused on some other stuff. I don't know, but um, you know, when some I think it's instinctive for us whenever a new project comes out from an artist, you want to compare it to what you just heard, you know, and and um, and sometimes for me, I don't know about you guys, I've gone back to that, and then I'm like, okay, yeah, I just wasn't in the right headspace to understand, or maybe mm-hmm. just didn't right. give it yeah, its yeah, respect yeah. at the time. So maybe I need to go back on it. But when I first no, heard it, you don't. there just was nothing that stood out to me. Um, no. I couldn't find anything. Like I just ended up going back and listening to KOD and ATN and all, you know, I was just like, bro, this is fire. But that's, that's fun. That's ironic. That's really funny that, uh, that that's, that's your joint. Well, it's a, I had that same response. Yeah, same. I had that from day one when we reviewed. I'll never even review it. Same. I was like, man, this was not it. This was this was not it at all. I just it wasn't cold, bro. But I think the fall off. I think the fall off is going to be cold. I think with with what we're hearing from from what he's about from what he's going to put out. I think, but he's he's in a nice groove because features features feature run. I think now he's understanding. Okay, now I'm in that that rapping pocket. Like he was probably focusing on football. I mean, football, basketball. Being a dad, not in the headspace of actual being a what he used to be a rapper, like in that pocket, and now these features like the one he had with Lil, not Lil Uzi, but Lil Yachty, um, obviously uh, for all the dogs, Drake. That's one of his best features, bro. Ever that cadence in it. I wish he would have kept that, that going on for a little bit. That would have been wild. <laughs> yo, when he first started doing, I was like, oh. And even in evil ways, and even in evil, evil yes. ways off three hours yes. three, like he was still yes. killing it. So he's, yes. he's featuring his last feature, bro, that stood out to me that he did. Um, and there's probably more recent ones, but 
um, a lot that he did with uh, 21 Savage. Oh, 21, yeah, that was fire yeah. too. That was fire. I was like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Man, but you're right, Savon. Like, I think he's doing it right. You know, just he's been doing his own thing and then slapping some features out here and there. Like, I mean, I think that's the way I would do it. I think he's ready. He's, yeah. ready. he's ready. Yeah. He's ready to drop something. Yeah. yeah, it's like he's it's like he hasn't been writing, you know. He's he's still writing. Yeah, he's saying he writes think- every day. Um, he still he makes music every day or whatever. I think, yeah, he's ready. He's he's geared up. He's ready. You I can want tell. Though, yeah, the sequencing though, because he had the off season. It's a boy, and then the fall off. So, but where what what was it's a boy? Like, is, is he just gonna go straight to the fall to the fall off? You think he said he need just- two more summers. He said he's gonna okay. be in there for two more summers. So we might get that next year. Because I think fall off will probably be second half of the year, and then we'll ride that into twenty twenty five, and then he'll probably drop another project. Because just depending on how this project does, and if what he how he was rapping in that little doc, whatever, that oh, it's gonna be crazy. And he did like the the smack DVD, like the old school. Yes, like the, I like how he did. Yes, that, like, that was yeah, dope. Chronicling, yeah, I was mm-hmm. recording it. That's gonna be fire. I wonder if he's gonna have features on this though. Has to. He's got to. Has to. I just hope 21's not on it. You don't want 21 so, on it? I don't. I'm sorry. Are we, hey, we, this is a safe space. Sweet. I was told this is a safe space. It is. So yeah, sure. No, no, no it was just a space. Out of all other <laughs> artists outside of Savage genre, I think they match up well, him and J. Cole. I don't like Drake and 21 together. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah, I, don't, that I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. But J. Cole but is so, I, yeah. I mean, hey, bro, I would love, I would, I mean, yeah, I would love to see if he does some features. And mm-hmm. hopefully he doesn't convolute it with nothing but features. Like Chance the Rapper did. Oh, man. I'll still never forget that. <laughs> that was such a terrible album. He bro. just stacked it. Like, what? I'm, I'm double, double digit features, right? Here. Yes, bro. Every other song he had a feature on it. Hey, we just want you for one track. <laughs> yeah, bro. bro. <laughs> I don't know. Mm, but Max, though, how many? Three or four for, for the fall? I don't want a lot of features on this. Yeah, just, just three. Just, just three. Just three. Give me somebody from Dreamville. JID. Give me somebody and two people outside of outside of Dreamville. Get, get an get an OG in there, man. Slap Nas on that record, man. Yo, <laughs> yes, yeah. And Hit Boy, Hit Boy gotta gotta produce it. Hit Boy gotta yeah. produce it. Because I would love to see a mix of producers. I would love to see well produce Hit that Boy, track. Yeah, Hit Boy. I would love for him to bring in Ninth. That would be a good one. Because Cole, Cole can produce as well, too. Uh, He's going to be producing as well on this one. Yeah. And then um, maybe Just Blaze. That would be, that'd be Ooh, fire. Yeah. That's actually a good mixture of producers. I think that would... That would go well. J. Cole, if you hear this, call me. Yeah. yeah I'll be the... Yeah. I'll oversee it. <laughs> so I was like, man, shout out Full Scope Podcast. <laughs> right, 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 if you're right. listening, Cole. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Since you like going on YouTube and just pressing yeah, you the like beat. going on YouTube. Yeah, come on. <laughs> um, and I'll get into our next review with Lil Yachty. It's a cool Sunday. Um, in his new singles, which is you know, backed by a really nice sample and mixes the genre of jazz rap with a, a mix of rock-inspired instrumentals. Um, it's interesting because like recently, Yachty has 
released a ton of music, like a bunch of singles. This one, he's trying to rap more. Um, and I and I think the sample is, is fire. I, I think that the, the backing of it is, is great. But Yachty, he's not the best the best rapper that that we that we have available now because a lot of times it's just like he's he's rapping on it, but he's not saying a lot. It's not really connecting. It's not really like expanding. Uh, <laughs> but you the, said the, listen the to his last album though. Let's start here is good. That's a good album. He's not rapping. He's just being. <laughs> I think when he's trying to be somebody else, it doesn't sound good. Like to to, to you, Joe. Like, what did you kind of think about about this track overall? Well, I remember I sent you the video on Instagram, right? And I, um, you know, the, look, yeah, the sample. I, I already said it to you before. The sample is great. The sample is really cool. It's fun. It's it's ear candy, man. That dude is spitting like he's got rocks in his mouth. I cannot. <laughs> I can't. Bro. <clears throat> All right. Let, let me say it like this. If I got up in front of however many people and, you know, that's my job to get up in front of people and perform and do my thing, know my stuff. You get a, you get a solo. And, and what do I do if I just, if this is the beat and I'm just all over it there's got to be some flow there's got to be some cadence i think him trying to step on or in rather that vein of being an mc i'm sorry bro like and i just don't like his voice i'm just like there's just uh you can't bro that happens so much man you can't cover up a bad mc with a good beat but then people get misleaded and think it's dope Hmm. That's, that's that's my opinion, man. And this is me just getting more stern because I'm a hip hop head. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, you know, it's it's justifiable. But <coughs> yeah, bro, like I, I really I listened to that thing three or four times. Even just the Instagram clip. And I was like, bro, you, you know, what if you took that beat away? <clears throat> Name, you know, pick all of our favorite albums tracks singles whatever from our favorite mcs or whichever ones you like take the beat away there's still information there you know what i'm saying so that's um <laughs> that's <She's> not <laughs> that's I, it I, man I, that's it for I, me I, like, I just yeah it, it caught me it, it did catch me but yeah. i was like oof, ugh, no Savon is one of the biggest little yachty critics you will find he he whenever he gets to criticize yachty Hey He'll man, let's get, hey, hey, let's get some coffee tomorrow, man. Let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just He'll talk, talk about it. He'll talk about man, it. Man, I see why he had to paint his nails, get these beads in his hair, be something outside of hip hop to be popular. Because when it comes down to it, when he try, when he's trying to be a for real hip hop rapper, he can't do it. He doesn't have the voice for it. First of all. And he doesn't have the cadence. He doesn't. It, it's just. It's just weird hearing him trying to rap, rap, like him trying to be an MC. It's extremely weird, and you could tell he really wants to be good at it. <laughs> it is just not his angle. He's a singer it's, it's rapper. Not. He's a singer he's, rapper. He's more of a pop artist to me. Yeah, you could definitely All put him in that fold. Keep making those psychedelic rock albums. Yeah, that's, that's all, your that's, that's your game, baby. You don't need. This is not a single song. First of all. Uh, <laughs> leave this in the vault. Send this to Drake or somebody. Hey, bro, you like right. it? Drake will go crazy over this. Right. He'll go crazy over that. No, nah, I don't oh, think. Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, I well, more than 
Yachty. More than Yachty, for sure. But I don't think that's, that's, not, that's not something that, that Drake would, I think, pick to rap no. over. So. Yeah. Uh-uh. E for effort, though. E for yeah, effort. It is extremely difficult to be a, a real MC. Like, all those beats on Scary Hours 3, any rapper would want to have. Because Drake, he yeah. knows the, the, the certain beat. Okay, this is what I... Like, that... Um, Conductor Williams beat stories about my brother, the red button, the one you like. They so want like if the shoe fits, all of them fit Drake's voice. He knows, yes. hey, six tracks. This is the one. I'm yes. And if you're a real MC and you knew how your voice sound, you wouldn't have picked that beat. That beat does not go with you. And again, listeners, rappers, singers, we're just an extended instrument. If you pick the wrong production, it's not going to sound good. I don't care how good is mix and mastered. If your voice yeah. doesn't fit uh, it, it doesn't fit it. I mean, bro, think about it like this. Hip-hop is a commutative thing, and it didn't always have, nor did everybody always have access to make a beat. So what was it? On the street, yep. chilling, spitting bars. Yeah, yep. bro. Man, I love, hey, fast forward, or put Lil Yachty back there, man. People like, bro, get, <laughs> get out of here. here. Get, get out of here. ran off the corner. Right, right. And you had to freestyle <laughs> most of these things. Most of them well, when you, had right. you had to freestyle off the top. Yeah. So yeah, he went. That's why yeah. he had to create this gimmick, this character. You know. It's us. I mean, it's us. <laughs> As he I said, mean, we, it's we, us. we saw it. We saw what happened to Panda. You know, he he's he tried oh to he tried goodness. to spit oh, man, and that's man. gone. Like all yeah, right, bro. bro. When that came out. And then, bro, but then here's Lil Dicky on that same thing, spitting bars, bro. Underrated. Underrated, bro. yeah. I, I know he's playful, but more He had this rap. one lyric. He had this one verse. He said, uh, what is it? Kissing on your baby like your boy's a politician. Spitting out tough-ish overcooked chicken. And I said, He's what? playful, but he got I bars. Said, what? Bro. He's, got bars. he's too he's too playful. That I think that's his gimmick. Obviously, that's his gimmick because if you try to be serious, you're gonna be Jack Harlow. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Your guy. <laughs> <laughs> bro. Yo, bro, that's what it had been. So Lil Dicky has that angle. He's funny, but don't get it twisted. Boy can rap. I put yeah. him before a lot of rappers. Yeah, buddy can better buddy can really spit. But on Jack Harlow's last track with Dave, stop giving me advice. He that wasn't he bad. Was in a nice that pocket. wasn't bad. It, it he fit was in him. a nice pocket. Yeah. He wasn't trying he to has, try too hard. Jack Harlow has a couple instances where I'm like, okay, yeah. I see what you could be doing. But yeah. You know, go lifestyle, man. You gotta hold up that lifestyle, bro. You know. Whatever. He's not supposed to be mainstream. He's not a mainstream oh. rapper. He's supposed to be indie, supposed to be okay. SoundCloud, just being able to flow on yeah. That's his lane. Yeah. Sure. I mean, hey, man. He's, he's a white boy with curly hair, bro. He's got to be in there. <laughs> what else can you do? What's popping? <laughs> What's popping? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and now getting to our next review of Beyonce's Texas Hold'em and, and 16 Carriages. Um, Savon, she drops two tracks during the Super Bowl. Craziness. She drops two tracks during the Super Bowl. As a Verizon commercial, it's like, hey, drop the new music. I was like, no way she's actually dropping two tracks. And it's country. It's fully country. So Texas Hold'em, that's like the more commercial sounding track. I, I like Six and Carriages a lot more. Um, but it's kind of a divided theme, I think. Some people are like, okay, yeah, she's she's embracing a new genre. Then other, other people are like, Excuse me. this doesn't fit her. 
But with the with the dance album Renaissance and then this one, then the rock and roll album, she's kind of like trying to reclaim genres that were founded by black people. And this one is is something, especially with her being from Houston, she feels as though it's kind of like deeply personal to her. But to you, Joe, kind of what did you feel about these two tracks? I don't think I don't think Joe liked these. The way Joe's looking, I don't think he liked them. I didn't either. Oh man. I am a I love country music. I do. I truly do. And you're right. It is it is an Afro African American art form. It was black American music at its finest. And a lot of those young, younger, early artists were African American and they never got their credit. Cho is a West African instrument brought over in the 1600s via the transatlantic slave trade. The instruments were originally made out of boards and had been popular in the region way before American slavery started. Other instruments like the fiddle and tambourine were also integral to bluegrass and also had links to Africa. Now as enslaved Africans were forced into the Americas, they continued to make these instruments. But black influence didn't stop there. Work calls and chants became lyrics to these sounds, and these chants, also known as spirituals, helped to tell stories, keep the pace, and secretly spread information. For example, the songs of the Underground Railroad had secret coded directions to help slaves escape to the north. Fast forward a few hundred years and take this lyrical storytelling element with this acoustic string sound, and you got the foundation of country music. Thing. It's the same story with Elvis and that whole thing, bro. Now, I will say this. You know, you got your greats, man. Johnny Paycheck. You know, um, you've got, um, I mean, Willie Nelson and all that. You know, that goes up and down. Um, George Jones, all these mm -hmm. great songwriters, man. Um, bro, that is the farthest thing from country music <laughs> ever. Joe! I love the build-up, bro. Now, here's here's what I was tripping out. When I listened to the first one, um, so whichever one had the slower guitar part in it, and I listened to the second one, I feel like what they did was they just sped that sample up and chopped it a little bit, and it was the same That's exact so guitar funny. part. That's so funny. I, I, I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong, but um, I just, um, I don't bro, it's, it, honestly, well, it, it is the craziest. right now. <laughs> it is the craziest, uh, man. I don't even. I, I tried to put it into words when I first heard it, but it's just really when I when I did turn it on, and listen to it. It was really mind blowing to me, bro. That like, you know, <clears throat> that 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 is put out as country music. I can't. Uh, it really blows my mind, bro. Like, it's. I'm. Oh man. I don't know, man. I I, I really want to know Savon's perspective on yeah, that. I think I you see. should be a comedian, Because I'll keep Joe. bashing it, so take it away from me. <laughs> no, you can be a comedian, bro. That punchline was amazing. The punchline was fire. Like, you went through everything. I'm thinking, like, okay, he's about to praise it. No. <laughs> no, bro. No, I, from, the, from the way he was looking when I was talking about I, yeah. I knew. I was like, he, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't like it. The farthest <laughs> thing. It's honestly, I, it felt disrespectful, bro, because there's even... Um, black country artists now that are amazing and they're putting out great records yeah. and they're not even getting noticed. And then she comes along and then she puts it out. And the beehive, they're going to take it away. They're going to swarm. And maybe I'm just being biased because- man, No, I, you're I, not. I have I have never really been a Beyonce fan. So me. if I get canceled because of that, I'm sorry. 
They're gonna find you and they're gonna come to your house. That's how crazy her fans are. <laughs> they're they wild. They're hey, wild. Man. Wild. Look, I'll, I'll unlock the door. I'm like, hey man, look, come in. I'm making coffee. We talk about it. So, <laughs> they don't want to talk. They don't. They don't. They don't want to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're crazy, man. But no, you're you're spot on, man. It's one the the one of the tracks sounded just like her old music, and then the yeah, that's not your lane. I understand you're trying to pay homage, which is really cool. I love it, but here's the but. But leave that to someone who's already in that genre, who's already doing good at that genre. So why do you feature think he's paying? Yeah. Feature sorry. them. Yeah, like if you're going to do that, feature somebody, put them on the map. If you if you want to pay homage to the country music, all that stuff, you could have literally found somebody, just like you found Chloe and Holly, how you changed their lives. You could have chose... To change somebody's life who's actually doing country who's black. Mm-hmm. It would have been better. I think the impact would have been better. But the song, the song in general, I didn't like it. It's not, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm not a huge Beyonce fan. I like some of her music. Um, but this you I like, like your sister's like music more. Oh, yeah. I like your sister's yeah, music. Solange is Solange. Yeah, Solange. Soul. yeah yes. that's that's my yeah, I like that. That's my cup of tea. For sure. Yeah. But you but you like the Renaissance album though. Who Savon? You. I did? You said you did. No, I didn't. You said you. <laughs> did I? I didn't say that. He, Joe, he does it so many times where in the no, moment he bro. will say things, and then three weeks later no. he said, like, I did not say that. I was like, I got the footage. I probably, I I probably uh. said, no, 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 here you go. I probably said that. But that's more of her lane, like a, a summer, a summer, like a dance album in the summer. That's more of her, her pocket, though. That fit yeah, her for sure, her pocket. If I did say that, it was just, I probably didn't listen to it, and I just said something. Because I don't think I'll ever listen to the album. I, I sometimes do that though. I'll say something is like good or bad, but I did not listen to it because I forgot to or I didn't want to. <laughs> well, it's all an act. It's all an act. Listen. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Just like if two of us agree on one topic, somebody has to say, has to be somebody the has to say different. protagonist. Yeah. Somebody has to. Oh, we, we, we got to have that two out of three dentists approved type situation. Yeah. So you can't everybody <laughs> agree on the same thing. It's, yeah. It gets yeah so yeah, it gets boring and then. You gotta have I don't some think conflict. I've ever listened to a Beyonce record. Oh, that, I can't. I gotta be that. honest. I can't. Because I can. I mean, yeah, okay, her early school, whatever. I mean, yeah, I'm, Lemonade, <laughs> XO, um, Party. Party, I think, is her best song. You a bad girl and your friends See, bad too. I picked I picked Brandy over Beyonce. That was my choice. I that think Brandy can I sing went. better than Beyonce. Yeah. For sure. Oh, uh, for bruh. Sure. For sure. Um, I mean. For sure. Songwriting, artistry, you know, that's just an example, though. That's just, you know, performing not comparing wise, them. Beyonce is, is a monster. Her performance oh, is oh, crazy. Oh, 100%. I am not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am crazy. definitely not taking away her live stuff. Like her you Renaissance can't. documentary on Netflix, bro, her preparation and everything is just. It's yeah. Un- I won't take that from her. I won't take that yeah. from her. But I, I see what you're saying, Joe. But if yeah. I did say that, well, let's see, you have proof. I probably did listen to it and I just said something. But the other time with the Bills thing, I did say that. I remember saying that after a while. And then, yeah. But that one, I probably didn't listen to it. And honestly, never mind the day of, you said you hated it. So you've never backed up on honestly, never mind. Honestly, never mind hate. Uh, To this day. (laughs) To this day. That's an amazing album. That's an amazing album. I will say her band is incredible. Her live instrumentation. Oh, for sure. For sure. And programming. For is sure. phenomenal. Like I've watched those live videos 
I haven't know, seen a copy. Jerry is he's the guitar player for her. He's incredible. He's incredible. It's so funny though. Like, man, he's, there's used to be just a bunch of church videos of him. Please play this place called City of Refuge Band out in L.A. Incredible church band, bro. But then he started to kind of get more towards that um, that Beyonce gig, and all of a sudden out of nowhere. I don't know. It's because you're in that crew, man, and she's working out doing her thing. Man, this dude just—he was skinny as me, and then he's just big. Wow. I'm like, okay, all right. I guess you got to be. <laughs> you got to be ready to perform with her. <laughs> nah, she's. But yeah, I haven't seen her perform. Oh, sorry. Between this and the rock and roll album, which one do you think you're gonna hate more, Savon? Between this rock, and the rock and roll, the rock and roll one, because that's not her name. <laughs> what she's doing a rock and roll album for the third for the third one? Yeah, for the third one, the act. Your voice. I would love. That. I would love if she would do like a full like R and B or a full gospel album. I think that would be like. Yeah, go back to that, that. Yeah. or don't do music at all. I don't know. What is it left for I, you to do? I just heard those two songs, bro, and I really was like worried about the music <laughs> industry for a second. It's like, man, this breaks Wim, my heart. Women's R B is going. It hasn't hasn't been the same. Women's R B is not the same anymore. I mean, you got a couple. Yeah, you got a couple. There's still a handful there. holding the torch out there. Yeah, I'm ready for Cleo Soul to 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 hop in there and be bigger just than take she over. is. Cleo Soul, just just take over. It's yeah. Yours. Oh my goodness, like, <laughs> this is your this is your call to worship right now. Yeah, your call to come on, Cleo. <laughs> Somebody scream <laughs> for her, caught pull her to where she needs to go. Cleo Soul is she's she's the next up. And what? uh uh uh, mate, is it Meta or Mati? Meta. Meta. Yeah, Meta. She's next up too. She has some versatility. She can do a lot. But yeah, women's R&B has taken a hit. But we're going to do the same thing we do to Kanye, Beyonce, stop making music. There's nothing for you to do. But your yeah, fans done. love it so much that you're like, I could put out skip de doo skip de pop but the doo de doo like Kanye did. And they'll love it. You know, a lot of people like that song. Ooh. <laughs> a lot of people like that song, bro. <laughs> If you go oh, to another, that song on YouTube and look at the comments, bro, people like yeah, that Yeah, YouTube song. comments are always so delusional because they'll just praise delusional, everything. Delusional, that's the word. They'll delusional. always praise. I've never seen negative with the artist music video. Like, it's great. It's 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 groundbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> it's influential. I'm like, can you guys make one negative comment? <laughs> bro, that's crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. I like bro. to just go on there and be like, Hey, what's up? Hate from Mobile. <laughs> you know, just drop. <laughs> oh my god! Nobody else is doing it. But, uh, oh, one more uh, female that's doing it in R and B is uh, Victoria Monet. Bro, yes, she started become. She started. I'm starting to like her more and more. I still don't like that uh, Water Girl though. Dan, 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 that song. Her music. Oh, well, uh, yeah, redundant. I mean, it's, I'll tell you what it's better than is these country songs. No, for out. sure, for yeah. sure. I'd rather listen to that than her. Yeah. Doing like Tyla. Keep doing what you're doing, Tyler. I'll, I'll support over here. I'll support over here. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'll why. some support. <laughs> I know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's her music, all right. <laughs> Beautiful Love young it. lady. Beautiful young lady. Sure, but you sure. a plant, baby. You was a plant. Industry plant for sure. You're not going to last. Savon can spot an industry plant from a mile away. You can I'm waiting for Ice oh. Spice to get the heck up out of here, man. She definitely a plant. Oh, yeah. 
You know, yeah. she, she can't do anything else. Her music's not going away, so they have to create a beef with another young <laughs> artist. I'm telling you, bro, it's the same thing, bro. It's a, she's a plant for sure. She's a plant. And after she get that out the way, she's going to fizzle out. They got to find somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I'm with, I, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, she's a munch. <laughs> I hate that song. I hate it. I hate you. Hey, say bye. Remember what happened last time? You're going crazy with your mic. <laughs> All right. Okay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you're That's right. Funny. You're right. You're um, right. And now again, to our next review of Slum Village is fantastic. Volume two. Um, and their sophomore album from 2000. It's got a high amount of yeah, for sure amount of song quality in every track is it's got smooth beats great flows and fun skits and it's just a complete project for from start to finish like joe when you look back at this project and just kind of what they were you know um what it consists of what do you kind of think of it you know in totality and just you know the project overall man um oh my god you know it's it's a record that i still listen to today that genuinely leaves me speechless in the sense of I mean, obviously lyrically, obviously beat making, all the standardized stuff. Um, it just holds up, man. It, it's such, it's such a homage to um, just beautiful Black American music, man. Like that is just, uh, oh my god, that made, that record has changed my life. That has influenced me as a guitar player. That has introduced, that has you know inspired me as a producer and engineer. <clears throat> I remember I would sit there and study that record. Back when I was, uh, I started to make beats on um, this HP Slim, and uh, I would burn these beats to CD. And all I would do is just sit there. I would basically try to get the most isolated kick I could that that Dilla had on the record, and just it, I would just try to match my mixes to him to the the overall production. Man, I mean, it was such a study, man. That was school. That was school for me. Um, you know, it's still fun to listen to. There's still so many people that try to mimic it, try to fight that sound, fight for that sound, um, and it, and and try to even get close to it, man. And it's um, and that is a total and perfect example. Like you talk about Beyonce's work that work ethic, right? I don't know if you guys have ever read the Jay Dilla book. Um, you know, dilettante. It's incredible. Um, but, you know, true fact, man. I mean, he, he was he was an OCD in nature. He'd wake up every morning at, uh, you know, 8, 9 a.m., make beats, clean the house, make beats again, pick up the homies, make beats again. I mean, it was a very orderly thing. I mean, he was so, um, I mean, between him and T3 and, and just the whole crew, bro, like, that that album makes my heart happy. <laughs> yeah. I just keep going about sure. it, man. I love, I genuinely love that record so much, and I'm so grateful that it was it was put out. And again, that might be me being biased against all the other stuff that I hear hip hop wise. I truly don't try to compare it, but it's hard so not hard to. not to. Hard and not to. it's back to my point earlier: hooks, bro, hooks. And and see, it's it's musical information, bro. Like the the. The samples on there are just so, it's musical to its core, man. And like the hooks, 
we're talking hooks, bro. Like these are well written. I mean, I'm not bad. I'm not going to say I, I love when MCs sing, but if it's done right, it can be done incredibly well. You know, so yeah, um, yeah. You better stop me, or I'm gonna just keep going. So. <laughs> it, it, it's it really is an, an incredible body of work. But like to you, Savon, when you look back at it, what are some of your takeaways and just you know kind of the overall construction of it? Yeah, to be as a for a hip hop standpoint, obviously it's in that pocket, but it's it's transcending what these guys were doing because being in a group is kind of difficult to. Um, kind of know the strengths and weaknesses of the group. And I, I look at Slum Village, I don't I didn't see any weaknesses. Even now, growing up, I think the first song I ever heard from it was Selfish, right? I'm calling, baby, I'm Hooks. selfish. Hooks. Exactly. So to be able to do that in a group and have no weaknesses as a group, everybody pin matchup. They can write hooks. They can perform. They, like, they gel well with producers. You never hear anything bad about Slum Village. So it's, I don't know, you kind of miss that because there's no big rap groups anymore. And if I think the only one is Contra, but they're still on the uprise. And they have to learn, they have some weaknesses because they don't know how to do hooks. I think that's the only takeaway I have from Contra. They don't know how to do hooks yet. And but they can rap, they can storytell, they have lyricism, they got some bars within it, but we don't have rap groups anymore. I think that's what we should try to get back to because obviously there's a change in music, but at some point we yeah. have to get back to the root of what hip hop was. Yeah. And I'm afraid that we'll never get to that point, but we need more rappers like this. And I think rap groups will kind of put us in that realm because yeah. even a Tribe Called Quest, bro, which is Q-Tip, is in, is in there too like being able to do that they had no weaknesses they could write hooks like you never heard anything back about a tribe like it's we don't yeah. have that anymore hip hop is missing that we gotta get back to roots but back to this I don't know how it's probably one of my favorite tracks from Slum Village it's crazy the beat is crazy Every yeah but this whole project and it's remastered yeah bro I was in love like you can't not help but smile you can't not or just yeah. bob, like bob your head you can't be you cannot be happy like when 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 you're when you're hearing this. It's just it's just mm -hmm. such a great. Every time I hear it, bro, it's like I just heard it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it's just and I laugh because I'm like, bruh, how are these drums hitting so hard at bro? that time? It thumps. It's yeah, man. You were right. You use the best words, Yvonne. It's transcendent. It's um. It's crazy how they. When do I was it. looking for a throwback review to pick, I was like, I gotta find something that's gonna impress Joe. I just, I just, I was just looking through. I was just looking through, and I was like, Slum Village I think is he it. would like. I think this is one he like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, another one though that um, I mean, look, we, you know, Earth Gang, they're doing their thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, um, for sure. I like. Earth uh, I think one of the last ones that did it for me, group wise, um, like bro, because I was listening to like you know, cunning linguists and stuff like, uh, stuff like that. Like, uh, Little Brother, man, is, is... Oh, yes. Bro. I listen to their catalog so much. Like, Fonte, I'm not gonna... Okay, Fonte's in my top five. <laughs> like... Bro, yeah, that's... I mean, yeah, bro. I, I, I almost put Fonte in my top five, but I had to make a sacrifice for somebody. Um, <laughs> that That's... Yeah, but Little I Brother, man, I mean, that is... Dude. Oh, my God. Yes. All day. Definitely. Well, the moment of truth, top five favorite. We always do this with the list. Savon, the last time we did a top five list, man, 
the commenters on what you said, they went at you. So whatever you say, this one, I hey, same <laughs> for it. I was just hey, like, man, they're going out. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. But we wanted to do top save, five. Save Oz gonna start the list off. I don't want to start it off. I, I got sure, no. What let's sure. gotta start it off? What okay, let's gotta start, start it off? Okay. Yeah. But top, we're gonna do top five favorite MCs ever. Joe. No last order. Time was, well, I mean, it's up to you guys. It's up to okay. You. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, and no order. But the last time Joe was on, he wanted to do to, to do a ranking of this. So yeah. my top five is Nas, okay. Common, okay. KRS-One, uh, Most Def, and Fonte. Most Def is in there. Five. Yeah, I got Most Def. That's interesting. Who you got? Oh, uh, Rakim. Good. Uh, Daddy Kane. Curious One. Hmm. Oh, of... Uh, Ooh, the two, the last two are interesting. I had, ooh, Q-Tip. I really love Q-Tip and then Busta. And the reason why I chose Q-Tip and Busta, well, for Busta, because he- well, I know changed, why he chose Q-Tip. Yeah, Q-Tip is amazing. His his vernacular, he changed, like, how you say certain things, how you heard certain things, he changed that. I mean, Rakim changed the whole facet of how they rapped after Big Daddy Kane, all these guys, and he, and he changed. He gave a whole different cadence that nobody heard before. So, but now um, Busta because he did the same thing. His energy, nobody really was like rapping with energy on tracks before Busta. In my opinion, you could say yeah, back bro. in the day, but his energy was totally different. How he was like in his in artistry. Anywho, that's my top five. I hope <laughs> I want somebody to say something about that top five. Meet yeah, me in the comments. That's, that's a great. That's a great. Meet me in the comments. Meet me in the comments. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is with this top five stuff, bro, it's not even concrete because it's yeah. like, bro, I, I wish, you know, like Q-Tip is amazing, dude. Like, that's that's a great choice. That's such a great choice. Q-Tip is dope. Oh, and Busta, too. Like, yeah, I yes. love Busta. Love Busta. You got Joe. Come on. Um, all right. So we have a close list. Uh, most Def, like, bro, let me tell you, Most Def's uh, Mathematics. Yeah. I'll run that all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's top. Nas. Uh, That's a good one. Deltron, Deltron 3030. Sleeper. Uh, that's interesting. That's a really good one. Yeah, that's a sleeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to give it to MF Doom. There's nobody else that sounds like him. It was a tie between, in that regard, between MF Doom and Mad Lib and his whole Quasimodo thing. You know, um, The last one, bro... Is so just not just because of this, but um, just one iconic verse for me that plays in my head every day. Inspect the deck, his on Triumph, bro. I'm not familiar with him. Inspect the go, deck. That's Wu Tang, bro. That's so he's so. If you listen to Triumph, uh, his first, him. yeah, bro. So I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but no, the first did. little bit. I bomb atomically Socrates' philosophies and hypotheses. Can't define how we drop in these mockeries. Lyrically perform armed robbery. Flee with the lottery. Possibly this bottomy. Battle scarred shogun. Explosion when my pen hits. Tremendous ultraviolet shine. Blind forensics. Bro, it just, it goes and it goes and it goes and it goes, dude. Like that, that was, that was me on the back of the bus bumping that. <laughs> over and over and over, man. Oh my God, that is, and it's now I could replace easily, Inspector. You know, with with somebody else. I mean, I was gonna put uh, Fonte on there. Yeah. Uh, you know, but 
um, Inspected Deck is or or T three. I can put T three yeah. out there, but Inspected Deck just because of that verse that I got. He's, well, see the he's the strongest in my opinion. I Wu Tang. It was always Method. Method was my favorite. Um, what, what, how, where does he stack in the Wu Tang? So because Old Dirty Bastard was another one too. But. Yeah, I mean the thing that I love about Wu Tang is so like I've been in. I mean, I definitely don't, you know, I'm not spitting in the booth, but being the producer on tracks, you know, getting in the studio and you have a few different um, MCs in the room. And, uh, you know, I would always say, all right, let's take the Wu-Tang philosophy here, which is whoever has the best verse goes first. Whoever has the worst goes last. So it's like, that's, that. I always love that about Wu-Tang. Like you can go, uh, and Triumph has every member of Wu-Tang on. And here's Inspected Deck, number one, on that verse, bro. Killing it. I mean, you know, like, if you ask me, is my favorite. It goes Jizza, RZA, Method Man, Inspected Deck, Ghostface. That's my that's my lineup for Wu-Tang. Um, Jizza was, he's so, uh, he's metaphysical, you know. RZA is, you know, RZA too, like, he has an incredible verse on that one and tons of other records, but um, obviously he's, one of the producer masterminds yeah. of, of the group, you know. Um, but, you know, yeah, Method you can't ever take away from Method Man, too. Method Man. You know? But, I mean, yeah, like, ODB, bro, like, Brooklyn Zoo, like, that was another <laughs> that was another record in high school. I yeah. was just on, bro. I was just on. His, his voice, man, just shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, y'all. Yeah. Like, bro, you can't help but just like, bro, that sounds so good. And then he just rhyming just like crazy, bro. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Were there any, were there any, guy, any guys that you like left off? Um, either Slick like either Rick. one of you. Yeah, Slick, yeah. Slick Rick. Um, E-40 for me. I love E-40. I just could never get with E, bro. Man. He's that OG, like, I mean... I'll, I'll even put the entire crew of 3-6 on there, bro. I love me some 3-6. Man, it's because I'm a Georgia boy. I don't know. But, like, that that was ooh, some 3-6, man. I was going to add um, in Black Thought. Black Thought was another one. Oh, yeah. Black Thought, Black 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 Thought was, was going to yeah. be on Black my Black Thought list. was fire. Yeah. Black Thought was definitely fire. You know, like, oh, honestly, yeah. you know, I almost debated putting MF on there. But it's just... But he I did have, he have his own, like, nobody ever will ever say oh, yeah, nobody. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, like, Deltron, bro, like, hieroglyphics, like, bro, that was that was my joint, man. I stayed out in Arizona for about three and a half months, and that's all I did was listen to Deltron 3030. That's all I did. I didn't even listen to anything else. Like, literally yeah. for three oh, months, repeat. I just kept listening. <laughs> oh, oh, bro, on repeat. Because you, you got Deltron 3030, and you got Del the Funky Homo Sapien. So you got two different... You know, identities there. Crazy. Real, real, real quick though. This was earlier in the year, Joe. I don't know if you if you remember it. Most Def he had some comments about Drake, and he said Drake is not hip hop. Drake is it's pop. And me and Savon, we had a we had a big discussion about the day of, literally the day of. We didn't yeah, even know we were gonna be recording when it happened. We talked about it. What are your thoughts on those comments? Because it, it definitely set set the internet internet ablaze when, when we made that statement. Um. Uh, all right. I'd have a question before I answer that, which is, what's the last record that came out by Drake that you thought was hip hop? Scary Hours Three. Yeah, that's about it. That's, that's a lot of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just put out. Uh, for me, the last Drake album that I actually liked was um, what is it? It's Coming Home album or whatever that one's called. To another was, was the same. Oh, nothing was the same. Nothing was the same. 
No, nothing was the same. That was that was perfect. Um, that was a perfect album. Oh, bro, perfect that, album. That record was amazing. I think I mentioned that uh, last time you were on the last yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, but um, I gotta be honest. Coming coming out of most death's mouth, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Like, if you. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like MJ. It's like Michael Jordan calling somebody bad at basketball. It's like, cool. I'll take your word for it. I ain't got to think about it. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, that's exactly like, what I feel about it. Yeah. Him, um, you know, him saying that was just. I, I, I would. He's such an OG, and his catalog. If we're just comparing lyrically and hip hop, in the heart of it, yeah, bro. Like Drake is. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm I, I guarantee I can go. Make a late night run to JC Penny right now, and I'll hear. I'll hear something. Absolutely, <laughs> and if Fashion yeah. is fire, oh, yeah. Fashion is fire. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, but but I'm gonna tell you this right now. If you put on again mathematics versus his, I mean, you know, yeah, right. like pound. I, I'm look, pound cake was dope. Like that was when I first heard pound cake. Mm-hmm. Like on that mm-hmm. record, I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is crazy. Like you know, 40s production was insane. Nobody had heard that before. But still doesn't touch mathematics and everything else that mm. you know Death's done. We, we need I mean, a documentary of like just forty and Drake's like just yeah. I'm surprised we don't have that. Yeah, I'm surprised we don't have that. Yeah, it's like little snippets I've seen. Yeah, and then also he's a better actor than Drake, man. No, oh, for real. Like, like, no, seriously. He's, he's, he's an incredible bro. The, 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 the something the Lord whatever. Yeah. Incredible. He's on the Italian job. job. The best one where he was uh portraying the guy who was uh worked on the baby. Um something the Lord handmade or something like that. Mm. He was Have uh, you seen uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Ooh, I don't think I watched that one. Watch that one. That was incredible. He's hilarious in that one. And I just watched one with him and Jack Black from two thousand eight or something. He was in Brown Sugar too. Be kind, rewind. It's it's great. Like Jack Black, that's my becomes for sure. Jack Black, I'm a huge Jack Black fan. <laughs> oh, bro! So in this, you gotta watch that one, there, bro. Like it's amazing. Basically, he he gets in some accident, and he uh, most of is working at this uh, tape shop, like VHS tape store. And um, I forget the dude's name. He was the coach in Angels in the Outfield. Um, uh Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. He's, uh, anyways, long story short, Jack Black gets this magnetized energy around him and he destroys all his tapes. So it's them reenacting all these movies and then putting them up on the shelves. And it is hilarious, bro. You get to watch Jack Black and most Def reenact Rush Hour, bro. It is great. It <laughs> is me up. so me up. <laughs> good, dude. It's so good. It's great. They do the Terminator, they do Predator. It's just incredible. Ugh, shameless plug. Shameless there plug. You. There we go. <laughs> We're going to take a quick yep. break and we'll be right back with our Pulp Fiction review. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our Pulp Fiction review. And to start the overview, this is a 1994 independent crime film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. It tells four intertwining tales of crime and violence in Los Angeles, California. The film stars John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, Tim Roth, Ring, Ring Rames, and Uma Thurman. At a budget of eight to eight point five million, and brought in two hundred thirteen point nine million to the box office. I'm um, also had a ninety two percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Was nominated for seven uh, awards at the at the Oscars. And man, looking back at this film, like the first time I saw this, like I'd never seen an introduction like it. 
the pivot to the introduction of music, like everything about it was just different. And I, and obviously, like you said, we talked about it before. He's had Quentin Tarantino has had inspirations of other directors and other movies. But looking back at this film, man, it's, it's one of my favorites ever. Still, like in my top five category because it just has yeah. those, like even any point you turn the movie on, like whether it be like uh, the diner scene or the, <laughs> yeah. the Ezekiel <laughs> speech yeah. by Samuel Jackson, you always want to watch it. Like, what to you do you still remember about this movie and just, you know, what stands out? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a huge, um, I like camera angles. I like to see, even if it's a five second situation, like, I, you know, not to veer off, I've just been i been rewatching all the Alien movies, right? Mm. And, it's been so long and I watched those and I'm like, oh man, I, I just cling to a five second moment or 30 second or Scorsese where you get a three and a half minute oh my scene. Um, so like my uh, favorite Clinton, movie of all Goodfellas back there, bro. Like, oh yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, being Italian, like, you know, it's, it's, you're raised to just, all right, here's, I mean, I think one of the first long lengthy movies I ever watched was Godfather. It's like, my dad was like, all right, Godfather, Goodfellas, run through the list. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, with with Tarantino movies, it's um, you know, I, I appreciate that. It, it's segment based. I always look at it as like segments. You know, like you said, it yeah. starts off like the the traditional way for Tarantino to do it is usually start to end, yeah, and then go to the beginning. And um, yeah, like that was I think Pulp Fiction was um, the first Tarantino movie I watched. Um, I don't know what the other one would have been, but yeah, the diner scene starts off great. You're just kind of like, and especially when you introduce somebody to a Tarantino film that's never seen it before, it's like, um, they're just kind of like sitting there. I don't get it. I was like, you just have to sit still. You just have to sit still. Um, the diner scene is great. Obviously my favorite one, you know, is stands out the most to me is, um, it's classic scene, man. We're at the diner. You know, like from everything to the conversation about the milkshake, mm-hmm. you know, her describing the, um, you know, her, her, who was that? Um, the, the quick one episode TV show that she's, oh, yeah, the pilot, pilot, the pilot, I yeah. Say <laughs> pilot. yeah, man. Like, yeah. and Uma Thurman is incredible. She's I mean, so good in this movie. Oh my gosh. You know, it's just, I love small bits of dialogue and things that just, Make me feel, he makes me feel like a fly on the wall, that's for sure. And that's the thing, like you were mentioning about how some, some people, when they watch it, they're just they don't get it. Like, it's always funny to watch it with like a casual movie watcher who just doesn't get certain techniques because they'll be like, Man, I just I don't get what's so what's so great about that. I'm like, The dialogue is special, like the dialogue in every movie that like that's the emphasis he has on it. Like, is there one thing in particular about his movies that you're like, Man, that's the one element of his movies I just like admire the most? Yeah, well, I think we talked about it before where I, I, I respect people, you know, we've been talking so much about music, you know, this whole time. It's like the same thing where you can pay homage to something and still have your flavor on it. You know, everything he's put out, um, to me, has all, like, actually Reservoir Dogs was the first one oh, that, yes. I, that I saw. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I don't know why I bring for Um You know, it's... It's definitely, like I said, the diner scene for me or like Inglorious Bastards where um, they're in the cellar, they're in the bar, you know, and you're watching Michael Fassbender um, 
you know, speaking in German. And it's just the way that these, uh, he gets these actors to climb into this role. So my, the answer to your question is, I think it's always who he gets to play the roles, how well they sink into that character. And I think it has a lot to do with how hands-on he is with, um, Barry. with, yeah, right. You know, with, um, with, I mean, I obviously haven't been there on the set, but I, it just is so screaming of a director who's not going to let, um, you know, mediocrity in the middle of it. Like always, always dialogue strong. Like I know a lot of people that didn't like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Really? I know a lot, dude, a lot of people. Um, and granted, it's not my favorite, but, but did there's you like dialogue. It? Oh, yeah. It, it's yeah. I can watch a movie with no action and strong dialogue, bro. All yeah, day. Same. It's same. and I'll just I'll be a mouth breather. I'm just that, a, that's actually like my preferred movie to watch more, more so. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Because you know, I think that that actually is a tougher thing to do than just have action in a movie. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people expect I think with a Tarantino movie um, to just have action, just. Psh, psh, psh. That's he still has the kill. He still has the kill bills for you. So oh if you yeah, want to have, that, like, I mean, yeah, bro. Kind of funny. <laughs> like, that was that was really. After I watched Kill Bill one and two, I was like, all right, I'm a Tarantino fan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, what, what's the other one? Uh, Dusk Till Dawn. Yes. You know, there there was one. I still say that. I still have I've said this in past episodes. I think Jackie Brown is his most underrated film ever. Jackie Brown's that, good. That's it's, I think it's, it's yeah. It's good. It's been a while since I've seen that one. There's one um, about a bellhop. It's like Room One Twenty Seven or one or something. Um, it's like his first movie. Because um, see, my brother, like I have an older brother, six years older than me. Um, everybody in my family's a movie buff to a degree, but he is the one, you know, that like would go back, bring me this, you know, movie. Yeah. Like, you gotta check this out. You gotta check this out. Um, <laughs> But Quint, uh, Quentin Tarantino was one of the first ones he really did that, that with, you know, for me. Um, but I don't think I know we're coming up on the last Tarantino film. Last one, man. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. You don't buy it. <laughs> I, I. I don't. I mean, I thought I heard rumors that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was, was going to be his last one. one. That's true. I mean, yeah. th- that was true, right? They said that. that was yeah that, yeah. that was a rumor thing, and people were saying, "Man, last one got got DiCaprio, got Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, he's just gonna go out with a bang." And I was like, "Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think this is gonna be his last one." So no, I'm glad he's got Brad Pitt in this. And I'll be honest, Brad Pitt is one of my favorite. He's oh for sure, yeah, dude. He's like, cool, Ocean's right? Eleven is, is one of my favorite. Brad Pitt performances. He was the coolest bro, guy. <laughs> bro, hey, man. It's Growing got, it's up, I was be... like, I want to be that cool. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, we're my Fight Club. Yeah, Fight Club as well. Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, God. You know, that's... That, yeah, man. Um, ugh, I was just having a deep conversation. I have a huge poster right here. I mean, it takes up the entire wall. It's massive. Um, but yeah, Tarantino is never going to disappoint me with dialogue with speculation um with scenery like hateful eight all that you know was beautiful but um yeah pulp fiction um every character had their own environment i think like their own segment of the movie to become who they are to you does that make sense oh yeah definitely 
Um, and, and with our, we always do our, our first topic, like from one to four stars, what would you give it? This is easily a four star film because I think it's, it's one of the most influential films of the nineties and it became a bigger influence like in later years. I, I know some people who just recently have seen this for the first time, didn't even know about it. And it still has that like, oh man, like this is just like different. Yeah. This is like, you, I, I would love to, to see this for the first time ever. I wish I'm some, I'm jealous of some people cause like to see that for the first time and to not know about Tarantino. Like you're just getting introduced to a whole new world, but from one to four stars, what would be your particular rating? Oh, it's, I mean, it's going to be a four, yeah. you know, I mean, now if we were on a scale from one to 10, I'm always really stingy about scales one to 10. Cause I'm like, yeah. you can't just pass out tens. Yeah. You know, tens, is, tens are delicate. Yeah. yeah. To me, to me, my favorite Tarantino film that I could give a, a 10, like Pulp Fiction, I'd give it a strong eight and a half. Inglorious Bastards is my 10. That's me. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, and then Hateful Eight is probably a nine. Gotcha. I love me some Hateful Eight. That's Hateful Eight fire. I have not seen the director's cut. I have really extended cut. I, I, know, yeah, I, I know it adds like 30 minutes. But it, but see, Hateful Eight, bro, is like a revamp of Reservoir Dogs. How he was able to make an entire movie in one room with Reservoir Dogs. He did it again almost basically in... Um, with a cabin. Once That's I realized funny. that, I was like, what? <laughs> what? Reservoir Dogs 2.0. <laughs> I mean, what were some of your favorite parts about Pulp Fiction? Like, what, what stood out to you the most? Man, like, and we're, we're going to get to it later, but, but to me, the, the, first of all, the chaotic nature of obviously, um, Uma Thurman's character, I think she just was like, so dynamic in it. Like to me, this was this was one of like, if, if you see Kill Bill Volume One and Kill Bill Volume Two, then you look at this actress you're like, man, this can't even be the same person, because she just was yeah. in, she was like just such a, a spark plug for the movie, and I think um, Bruce Willis as well, like the fact that Bruce like we've we haven't even mentioned Bruce Willis, but this, this cast was so <laughs> yeah like, like you had Bing Rames in it as well. I mean like, but Bruce Willis also he brings this this like edgy like gritty element. Um, and I just love the fact that he was able to intertwine all these different these different plot schemes. Mm. Um, like every person placed into it was placed perfectly. Like oh, if yeah. one character was was miscasted, it would have been it wouldn't have been as good. Yeah, um, Samuel Jackson was where he needed to be. Travolta was where he needed to be. Like all of these people, um, even and even Quentin Tarantino being in the movie at one point. I love I love how he does that. He put himself He's in the movie, in the movie actually. Yeah, yeah, always in the movie. Um, another person who did that was, was Alfred Hitchcock. He would do that sometimes where he would do like the, the cameo appearance of himself in certain, oh, in certain yeah. horror, horror um, movies. Um, Scorsese. Scorsese as well. You know, He's done it a couple times. You know, uh, Goodfellas, you know, um, uh, man, I'm brain farting. Um, when they go sit down and have dinner, late night dinner with his mom, made some, yes. made some food for that. That's, um, Scorsese's mom in that movie. I gotta ask you, Joe. How how common is it? You you would be an expert on this for for an Italian mom to say like, oh, three or four in the morning. Let, let me cook up some some spaghetti. For you. <laughs> Run it somewhere. Just keep quiet. I don't want to wake her up. Oh, hey. yeah, look who's here. Look who's here. Hey, what are you doing? What happened? No, no, nothing. What I hit, happened? I hit to something you? on the road. Give me yeah. a thing. What, what, what happened? No, 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 no. What happened? How are you? Uh, How are you? I haven't seen you so long. What happened for you? I hate okay. to see him that way. Right. And you too. How are you? Good. What, what happened? Tell so me late. what happened. 
Well, he came in, you came in, I figured, you know. You know what time I'm, is it? I'm so morning. happy to see him. Look, go inside, make no, yourself no, comfortable. No, no, no. I'll make go you something to, to eat. Go to sleep, go to sleep. No, just I can't sleep, not while he's home. No, I haven't seen him so long. No. I want to see him. Then just go I'll inside. This stuff is great, but it's like a lid. So tell me, tell me, where have you been? I haven't seen you, I haven't even... Yeah, uh, yeah well, look, my, so, <laughs> my dad has been, uh, my dad's old, he's 78 now, but, um, my dad's been a chef his whole life, you know, so like I was raised by a chef um, and my mom, a dancer and a baker. So, you know, my dad would, there would be nothing, just there would always be a pot of, of we call it gravy, you know, on, on the stove, you know, just ready or at least in the fridge, pull it out, boom, heat it up. It ain't nothing. Yeah. Cut up some garlic bread, put some bam, bam, spread on there. there. And yeah, bro. You put it, I mean, it's like, that's, that was like easy Mac for us, you know? So, um, dude, I mean, even the quintessential had a baby grandma, four foot two, squeezed your cheeks, made nothing but spaghetti <laughs> every day, all day. Every time we went there, bro, Go to. it was always spaghetti, 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 spaghetti. But yeah, it's a very common thing. We were always eating late at night. It's it's very ironic, I swear. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was watching it once and I was like, bro, that's so fire. Like, just... 3 a.m. just cooking up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was thinking, mom, like, is that realistic? <laughs> but yeah. but it, it is. <laughs> I mean, my, you know, um, my dad would come home from a catering job or the restaurant and he'd, um, you know, he'd have some stuff still in the back of the truck, put it on the stove, or my mom would come knock on the door and be like, hey, I made some, you know, I made some spaghetti or, or this or that. You want something? I'm like, okay. It's like two in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when I saw that Stephen the first time, I was like, "Oh, look! Hey, that's what we do." <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and now getting to our next topic, favorite character. Um, I would go with Jules, man, because he's got to me some of the most memorable lines in this. His presence is felt from the beginning, and it's just whole mentality change at the end about you know him being a nomad, just walking the earth. Um, I thought it was just exceptionally done. Like to you, like is there a particular character in this one that you say like is your favorite? I mean, I love Vincent, you know, I love, um, I mean, again, Uma's character, you know, is fantastic. Yeah. I like their relationship. I like, um, you know, when it comes to Bruce Willis character, like I, my favorite scene in that from him was in the back of the, um, the taxi. He's clueless. He didn't even know he killed somebody. And then gives his review on it, you know? <laughs> um, this is my personal I, review of what I just said. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I know it's probably generic to say Vincent, but um, I like how he's just kind of, he has this floating floating nature to him, you know? Like, he's kind of straight ahead for a minute, things hit the fan, he'll kind of lose it. But, spacey. Uh, yeah, yeah, super spacey. Yeah. Um, but he's not like if you compare him to you know his partner Samuel's character, like Samuel's way more piercing. Oh yeah, of the it, character. It, yeah. So maybe it's so much. Maybe that's another thing for me is I find I enjoy characters that play off of other characters. Mm. You know, that gives that character life. You know what I'm saying? It's like if we're all standing, if there's five of us in a circle, I could not say something for 20 minutes, but I drop one bit of information, and everybody's like, ooh. Right, right. That's your support character. That's <laughs> your support character. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and, and, and that's like, I was, me and Sam, I have mentioned it so many times, like Samuel Jackson, 
he just has a, a presence about him in any movie he's in. It could be a Marvel movie. It could be a Tarantino movie. Um, it could be a cameo in Coming to America. Like, like what about what he does as an actor kind of impresses you the most? Well, I mean, I will say, like, I know his recent reign in movies has been in these some of the Marvel movies, which I give him credit. He's able to still have that nature about him. Yeah. Um, but it's movies like this that, you know, like Jackie Brown or Paul, you know, that uh, even in Goodfellas. Oh, for sure. You know, he's I'm just like, yeah. yeah, he's not even in the movie long, but it's still like his reaction to um, a situation or yes. um, his input emotionally to like what seems as if he's pushing that other character to do more. Like when he's giving, you know, um, his speech, you know, in the room. You read the Bible, Greg? Yes. Well, there's this passage I got memorized. It sort of fits this occasion. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. You know, like him picking up the Sprite, you know, and just like really keeping this, <laughs> stat, you know, stature about him. Um, watching him eat the burger, I'm like, yeah, I bet. I, bet, I feel like if I was out at lunch with Samuel, I would just like stare at him He's eating like, lunch. That is a tasty burger. <laughs> I'm like, man, you eat, you're good at eating a hamburger, bro. Like, <laughs> he sold me, like, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sick, for sure. Um, I mean, what I, about you as Samuel, though? Man, like, I, I love, first of all, I, I just, I love, like, the presence he has in the movie. Like, he sets the tempo. And even when he's in a cameo appearance, it's like, oh, man, like, that was a memorable scene. Or, like, even though he was in it super quick, you don't forget it. Like, sometimes when people mm-hmm. are in cameos, it's just like, oh, like, whatever, it's a flyby. But with him, it's like, man, the five to ten minutes he was there, he made an impact. Like, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's almost like in the NBA, like, you have, like, a, player coming off the bench who's like gets super hot a contributor you know for a, a brief moment that's what he does you know he, he's that, that he check guy when, when he's a kind of in, in a smaller role so like what yeah, he's doing he his step career up when he needs to yeah 100 marvel scorsese tarantino he's he's been in almost every movie like you can find so i mean that's 100 that's crazy 100 yeah um and i'll get into some most memorable scenes i had to stick up at the diner uh, Ezekiel 25, 17, the Jack Rabbit Slim Dance Contest, the Adrenaline Shot, uh, Captain Coon's Gold Watch, um, Enter the Wolf, and then the Diner Standoff. We didn't even mention Christopher, uh, what was Christopher Walken was in this movie as well. <laughs> that, I was about to say, bro, that is probably my, that scene, I mean, I did mention the Diner, that was the first one that came to mind. I just love the dialogue between Milkshake and that whole thing, but um, yeah, Christopher Walken, Oh my god, it's it's so funny, and he does such a good job. It's just incredible. Um, and uh, oh, um, dude, when she's getting the uh, adrenaline shot, yes, bro, she did. <laughs> that whole thing is so crazy, man. I love, I love it's so that. Wild, man. 
And that's and that's one of those 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 moments in the movie. Where you're like, bro, did I really just watch what I? Because yeah, you're yeah. on the edge of your seat. You're on the edge of your seat. What's happening? Like the, everybody yep. in the room is on the edge of their seat. <laughs> oh yeah, and I mean, he does a thing too, where like, um, and it's a reason why I love Scorsese films is because it's not just a scene. It's not just a shot. It's like things are happening too. Like I can take my eye, yeah, off of the character that's in front of me. And I can easily watch, let's say, if there's seven or eight people in the shot, I can watch one of them or what, you know, like when she's getting the adrenaline shot, like the two sitting on the couch in the background, like I can watch what they're doing and just be like, how are they reacting? And they're reacting like it's, it makes me feel like, again, I'm a fly on the wall and I'm watching them just like administer this adrenaline shot to them with their hand. That's great. It's incredible. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's so wild because like, um. I was watching a Tarantino, like an old Tarantino interview with Charlie Rose, and he was mentioning how um, just his process in terms of like how he like picks certain characters, um, and he has a unique selection process about like okay, this person fits this story. I want this person to to be to be able to relate to this story. Like when you look at his casting selection, like to me, it's one of the best any director has ever had because he never he rarely miscasts like a person is movie like how tough to you is that for a director to be able to do that like almost movie after movie kind of pick the right cats yeah i mean the list is um i just i just watched um i read up on a i don't know who made the list but it was a pretty solid list it was just a list of directors that have made good consistent great consistent movies um and i think that does obviously have to you know come with great characters great actors um you know, I think, I think Tarantino has done a great job of, I mean, I like when directors like kind of revolve a similar cast. Yeah. You know, Christopher Nolan does that too. Christopher Nolan, Scorsese, Ridley Scott, um, you know, obviously Tarantino. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, like, I mean... That's what we saw with the uh, Irishman. We saw with the Irishman, like he was Scorsese brought up De Niro and Pacino and Joe Pesci, and it was still a great movie. De Niro has done over ten movies with him. Yeah, you know, which alone is like fascinating to me. And Taxi Driver uh, is still my favorite De Niro Scorsese. Movie. Oh yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's a good one. That, I yeah. mean, um, yeah, I mean, I'd still I think I'd have to give it to um, probably Goodfellas for that one. But there's 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 quite a few lists. We'll have to do I, I mean, I shouldn't I, I should say, but like the the actual pairing between De Niro because in terms of overall fa- favorite um, Scorsese movie, Goodfellas has to be like the top one. Like that's oh, just, yeah. that that one is just like <laughs> the Copa Cabana yeah, scene, like everything. Like that's just you can't stupid. you can't fight Ray Liotta and Joe Pesci and no. De Niro. There's no way. Um, but. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just, you know, it even translates, again, you know, the stuff with music we're talking about, like, you asked me about, um, you know, producers, and, like, that can happen, that magic can happen in that realm, you know, like, JT and Timberland, and, you know, and, and um, Dre and Eminem, like, in the hip-hop world, but um, I think it is definitely chemistry, and the only way you're going to get the chemistry, you know, on a stage, in a studio, on film, on set, even on a Broadway situation, man, you know, yeah. like anything creative revolves 
it definitely involves chemistry. And I wholeheartedly speak on that with experience. Because gotcha. <laughs> uh, you don't even have to, yeah, bro, like you don't even have to finish a sentence, really. The person um, can finish it for you. Like that, they're just, they know what you're thinking. Like that's. Yeah, dude. So wild. Yeah. And I love when a director too that's had that revolving cast can then introduce a new, at least an actor I'd never seen up to that point. And really, it, it, I'm impressed. I'm like, oh, you know, thank God this wasn't just. I've seen that so many times, where the 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 set. I mean, it's it could be like a second rendition or the third one of the trilogy. Um, and then there's this new character that comes in. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, there's no reason. I mean, perfect example would be the. Um, oh God, I hate even mentioning this. I just watched. I'm a huge Matrix fan. And I watched the newest one. It's so bad. It's so I what, what's what's dude's name played in um how I met your mother Patrick something um he was playing like the womanizer guy in How I Met Your Mother I forget his name um oh my god when he came on set I was just like you know what turn this off <laughs> we're done here I can't even have a conversation with anybody who will defend that movie because it's it's it has no right to be among one of the best made movies, The Matrix. It shouldn't even be in that same that same. You list. know, yeah, I, I, I just I didn't expect it to be that bad, and and that's the thing. I didn't go in with high expectations. I was like, okay, it's gonna be okay. I didn't think it was just gonna be horrible. That's that I waited awful. years to watch it too. Yeah. I just knew. I mean, somehow I knew it wasn't gonna be that great. I mean, granted, out of all the Matrix, it's the first one. No, there's not a movie. You talk about movies in the '90s, bro. There's just Matrix is in a whole different. It's in a whole different category, bro. World, right? Um, um, I mean, what what do you think it takes for, you know, like I mean, have you seen every Tarantino movie, or is it like are you still missing some? I, the... From Dust Till Dawn, I haven't seen. I haven't seen From Dust Till Dawn. That one I haven't seen. Okay, yeah, you gotta you gotta check that one out. I, I it's got George Clooney in it. Okay, okay. That's the one I haven't yep. seen. Yeah, yeah. And Tarantino's I, in it too. He plays in it. Okay. It's it's a really good one. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a classic mid nineties, late nineties movie, um, vampires. Gotcha. <laughs> Check it out. I mean, I, whenever you watch it, message me. I'm curious. Oh what yeah, you, what you'll think I about definitely it. will. Cause cause man, it's so funny. Like. I'll, me and Savon, okay, listener Savon wasn't here because of technical difficulties. I know some, some of you wonder why he wasn't here, but he's one of the biggest Tarantino fans, and that's just the one I haven't seen. I, I, we've mentioned, you know, he's mentioned it a lot, but that's the one I just, um, had, did he make a Once Upon a Time in America movie? I don't think so. I really want to see what this, um, let's see, I wonder if I can pull this up super quick. I'm trying to remember the name of the um, the first. Oh, Once one. upon a time in Mexico. That's the one. Okay, yeah, that's another one I haven't seen. Once upon a time in Mexico. Mexico then from. from oh right, you know I never did see um, Planet Terror. Um, okay, Four Rooms. That's the one I was thinking of. And technically, technically, there's one before Reservoir Dogs that he did. I think. Don't quote me on that. Oh, okay. Four Rooms is about a bellhop. It's a really weird movie. Um, that was after, so it was technically Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and then Four Rooms. So, 
Because I always thought I always thought Reservoir Dogs was his um was his first one, but I gotta check out Four Rooms as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean technically, like online, it'll say that that's his first okay, one, but I, gotcha. I swear I'm gonna have to find out from my brother because I think there was one before Reservoir Dogs that he did. Okay, but. We'll find out yeah. <laughs> next week. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but 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 uh, another thing, uh, most memorable quotes I had. They call it a rare rare with cheese from from Benson. The days of me forgetting are over, and the days of me remembering have just begun. From Tim Roth. Uh, Pride only hurts and never helps. From Marcellus. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. From Jules. I want that trophy so damn good. From from Mia. Then the path of the righteous man. From Jules. Obviously the, the classic speech. Uh, was there any particular quote that you kind of thought of as, as like the most memorable one in this one? Um, man, it's gotta be Zed's dead, baby. Oh, Zed's that's, dead. that's the one. That's <laughs> the one. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. Whose motorcycle is this? It's a chopper, baby. Whose chopper is this? Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. <laughs> that's the one, bro. Like, I, you know. It, I, I, always, mean, but, I always pick the, uh, the like, the best quotes. And Savon, whenever he does this, he'll always just pick the funniest one. The Zed's dead. That's that's the that's the one right there. That, I mean, that's, yeah, bro. <laughs> like, you know. But, I mean, his, I don't remember it verbatim, but the speech in the back of the, uh, the taxi was that whole thing. And I'm a fan of, um, I think a cigarette on film, lighting a cigarette, smoking a cigarette on film is a poetic beautiful thing i love it i love it i love it and um love that i just love that whole interaction you know um quick even when somebody quick. super you know, quick and it, yeah. and it still it still was like like it, you said it, it, had, it, 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 it really had you locked in because he's coming out of killing somebody and he doesn't know what he just doesn't even know it he's just trying to get away bro <laughs> he's just trying to go and get out of the situation the um, one scene though, another scene though, when when Bruce Willis, um, after he kills Vincent, and he's like, he's driving, he's driving up to a stop sign, and he's thinking everything's good, and then he see, sees um, uh, Marcellus, and he just, Marcellus just drops his food <laughs> like that. Yeah, bro, that's scene. a great one too. That's a good one. I forgot about that. One. <laughs> Man, that's so funny. You just know, when whenever we were first trying to link up, um, for this, I uh, I had just watched pulp fiction like really a couple days before so when you were like oh yeah check it out i was like <laughs> easy and then it. weeks went you know it's time went by and i was like oh i gotta i'm so bad at that man like i i'll i can you know listeners this episode was like five weeks in the making. that's true we've been this is handcrafted it's been, handcrafted. It's been sitting in the crock pot for a, for a while yeah and, I mean, just, and just like that leftover spaghetti from Italian, <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I mean, hey, I was like, why not do it at three in the morning? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, man, that's that's uh, Zed's dead's probably the quote for me. That that's so good. it's just the way he says it, you know, it looks so chill. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. <laughs> perfect. And then when he, um, what, what was it? Uh, the watch, him losing the watch. That, oh, yeah, that, oh, oh, my yeah. goodness, bro. That scene was was crazy. Destroying it. I love the I love the composure to be, um, to rage like that, and then to just settle down, be like, okay, it's okay, it's okay. We just, you know, I didn't, you know, really describe to you or you know explain to you how important that watch was to me. You know, I should have yeah. told you. I mean, that that whole boom to boom, 
Mm-hmm. I love stuff like that. And and he's he's in uh, he's in that room, <laughs> and he's got the toaster, and here's somebody flushing the toilet. He's like, oh, so who's gonna come out? Who's gonna come out? It's Vincent. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro, just Ugh. just so many crazy scenes in, in, in this one. Um, and, and again, it kind of we always do this with our last topic, like ten years from now, do you still think it'll be watchable and intriguing? Obviously, it's past that threshold. Um, it's aged so well. Um, for so many years, but to you in particular, like it, for me, I think the dialogue and like the scenes we're mentioning, the randomness, the unorthodox nature, and just like how everything was just, you know, put together so well. And there's just so many scenes you want to go back to. I think that's another thing that makes it just so rewatchable. Yeah. But for, for even newer listener, newer listeners and newer viewers, like what do you think will make this watchable another decade from now? Well, I think it'll just, you know, could be film students going back and checking out stuff could be just, Going on a cult, um, cult classic search for movies. Um, I don't think it'll ever, you know. I mean, hey, let's say theoretically, if it is true that this is Tarantino's last movie, it'd be really sad. Yeah, it would be sad. But, um, dude, I, I think that'll even solidify it more, and um, you know film history if you will because it's just it's part of a really solid catalog and i mean i i love i think everything tarantino puts out is cult classic you know because and has a cult following because not everybody loves tarantino i mean my best friend um he doesn't like tarantino at all he doesn't like any of the movies which i'm not gonna hate on him for it's okay does he have a certain reasoning for it um I, i think it's just I don't even think he's ever given me a reason. I think what I've always found between everybody that said, you know, I'm not really a fan. I mean, it's always been mixed, you know, like, eh, don't really watch it or watch his movies. Don't, um, or just don't like him at all. Uh, some say it's too slow. Some, some say it's, you know, yeah, they, they, it's too weird. I mean, that's like with, um, uh, like movies like, you know, when I think of Pulp Fiction, I think of like Fight Club. You know, and I mean, you know, even even stuff like Goodfellas or whatever. I mean, in the case of like uh, 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 Pulp Fiction, I think like the two biggest descendants that the film has yeah. are like. Uh, where, yeah, where did Pulp Fiction come from? Yeah, well, it's like it's like to me when I look at it and I, I watch it. To me, I kind of see like you know uh, those like when like the French New Wave would do their version of crime films with Jean Luc Godard and Truffaut, right, and then right. like Jean Pierre Melville before them would do their kind of like crazy French version of American movies. And then I also see like a kind of like a, a modern day spaghetti western playing there, as well as a black exploitation movie from the seventies, all kind of like mixed up together. I mean. But, um... You know, Fight Club. I've had, I've shown that to so many people that have not even seen that movie, and they do not know what to think about it. I mean, fun fact: they they couldn't even market that movie because it was just. How it's do you market there. a movie it's like so that? There, it's so far out there. Yeah. Um, but I like how Tarantino is almost far out, but isn't. You know, I think his biggest hit for sure was like Django and Chain, you know. Um that's another one. That's, that's another, another one. one, man. You know, that's like the catalog. Uh, he, I mean, I would not have expected Jamie Foxx to be in that movie and slayed it. He killed it, dude. And you know who was was about to be who was about to be in that movie was Will Smith. Will Smith was was the one who was I would not have watched it. And I would not have been I'm sorry, Will, I just I <laughs> you know He was man, supposed to that, he was supposed to play Neo as well in The Matrix. Like I think 
and it, it's another dodge bullet. Another dodge bullet. Bro, I, I'm trying to remember. Um, man, there was another actor that was supposed to be for the Matrix. I can't remember. Um, did you know um, Al Pacino was supposed to be Kurt Hamlet in um, Star Wars? I did not know that. Like it, Al Pacino is like, yeah, I should have never turned. He's like, biggest mistake was turning down Star Wars. You know, which I don't know if I'd want to see Al Pacino. I, I wouldn't in want to see that Star Wars. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think I'd rather movie... I'd rather him stay in the Scarface lane. Just just stay in the Scarface lane. I'd rather him. Do oh that. yeah, dude, just do your thing, <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, but yes, I think the movie will hold up well. Um, you know, even through the naysayers, and it just just like a great record. You know, it's been the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's like Radiohead, man. They put out. It took them, they put out such a you know great catalog of music, and it took them like ten years for somebody for people to be like, okay, I love this music, right? Yeah, you know, but that's not the case with this one. Um, I'm I'm always going to be watching it, so hey, at least the numbers will go up gradually <laughs> on the streaming service. Real quick though, before we close out, man, we recently a few months ago reviewed Godfather Part Three, and we did our rankings. I said Godfather Part 2 at, at 1 and then Godfather at 2. And Savon says I'm crazy for thinking Godfather Part 2 is better. I think the first one is more memorable. The original Godfather is like more memorable. Oh, yeah. But I think the second one is is a little better technically. Because I think that showing the rise of Vito and the fall of Michael Cor- Cor- Corleone, like those that, that duality, I think that was I think that was unmatched. I think that was yeah. so... And it's a longer movie, and it's it's a it's a longer, it's more serious watch. But I think that one is, is slightly better. Well, let me ask you this: Do you think the third one gave you the resolve you were looking for? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you think it was like did it answer the questions? Did it fulfill you? You know, like because the first and second one we don't have to argue on. Oh, know? we don't. We don't because truly, it's truly the the Godfather trilogy is this for me. Not in a rating. It's just start, boom, and then close. You know what I'm saying? So did you? I mean, it's the not third compared. one was not the third, and, and I, it's so different to even talk about the third one because I just ate an 18 year gap between the second one, 1990, then second one was like 72. I don't think seeing the remorse from Michael at the end. I think, like, and obviously with his daughter dying, like, that part was like, okay, he's actually seen everything wrong happen with his family, all the regret from what he's going through. But the construction of the movie in totality, I was like, I don't think I even needed that. I think after after the second one, I was just like... Yeah, it, that could have just been I'm part two good. and it's done. Yeah, yeah, I will say it's been a while since I brushed up on the third one. Um, and yeah, that was always crazy to me how you know, the gap between the second and third one. I'm like, that's insane. That's an insane gap. Um, but you don't really see that anymore, if you think about it. Like, again, I said this earlier, I've been rewatching the Alien movies. Huge gaps between these movies, you know. Um, shoot, between the first one, that's 78, 79, and the second one is 86, you know, 87, something like that. So, um First of all, I think that's a huge, that's an insane undertaking, man, to like really pick back up on that story. It's cool, I think, as, uh, aesthetically to see um, 
people actually age in real life, you know, as they get back on the screen. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to rewatch the third one, but I always remember the first and second one. Uh, I'm sorry. The third, the first and second one, um, they had such a wonderful, I agree with you. The second one, it just, I don't know. I mean, I just can never not forget the shootout at the, the, the toll booth, man. in the first one. You know, <laughs> that'll like, never just not be in my mind, you know? Sonny, man, I just, every time I watch, I was, pre- I don't, it's one of those movies that I have watched it too many times that even when it's on, I'll still watch it and my mom thinks I'm crazy for still doing it. But like, it was on Saturday and I was watching it and I was like, Sonny went out and I was like, Sonny, don't do it. Like, I already know what's going to happen, but like, just have some security and it's just like, happens. Yeah, so that's that's crazy. I, you know, I never knew how big into gangster, like old school gangster flicks, you were. You know, bro, I'm I'm into, <laughs> I'm an old soul. I I like all the <laughs> good, like good. and and um and Alfred Hitchcock because I love like shows like Twilight Zone. When I would be off school and I had a day off to, to rewatch shows, I would watch Twilight Zone. I would I wouldn't even watch like bro, Twilight Zone. Still trips Twilight me Zone, out, bro. dude. It's still crazy. Man. It is still insane to watch that. I'm like, what, bro? Love that. Then you got um, the Rod Serling intro. I was like, it's perfect. It's everything. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I got some. I got some. Um, some other gangster films I could send your way. Check them out. And let me know what you think. Well, look, Joe. We've, as always, keeping you way too long, bro. But this this episode was a long time in the making, and just thank you so much for joining. Yeah. We always love having these talks, bro. Oh man, thank you so much. I uh, I, I remember ba- begging you, like not even knowing you did movie reviews. I was like, please, put yeah. Me after the first, I didn't even know you were into that. <laughs> oh man, oh man, we. That's ne- funny. We never got in that discussion. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, thank you so much. I'm so glad we were able to make this work. Yes. Um. So anytime we, hey, we just do movie talk without Savon. Get out of here, bro. <laughs> work on you the internet, it man. We said it. I'll kill you. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wilmette Burns. This is Scope. See you later.